Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. That is me. Thank you again to all the listeners who are uh, downloading this episode, whether you are a first-timer or a uh, long-timer, uh, and uh, especially if you're a patron at patreon.com slash show. you got lots to get to today, and i got to do it really quickly as uh, some of the content on today's show is happening as we speak, or it's a, a preview of the NCAA National Tournament, which, as I'm speaking with you right now, it's already begun and big news earlier today, too, which I will touch on in a second. But uh, we're going to get to the question of the day first off, which is now that the BC division of the Western Hockey League is set to begin play starting tonight. The question of the week is uh, who ends up leading the WHL in scoring after the 24-game schedule for all the teams is complete? Of course, it started here in Alberta at the end of February, the last weekend of February, and then Two weeks later, it began with the Saskatchewan and Manitoba teams in the bubble inside Regina. Last weekend, the United States Division, the U.S. Division, got going, and this weekend, the B.C. Division. So when things escalated here in Alberta, where the teams started playing three games in three days on the weekends, uh, it's going to actually wrap up fairly quickly. And probably because it started a month before, say, the B.C. Division, uh, there will be teams who will be done well before other clubs. So once the 24 games is up for every team, who will lead the WHL in scoring? That's the question of the day. I put that up on Twitter. First response I got was Dylan Gunther, and uh, he is currently the leading scorer in the WHL. Just looking at the standings right now in the Central Division, the Oil Kings still a perfect 7-0. Calgary is in second place with a 4-3 record. Actually, the Medicine Hat Tigers are 4-3 with the winning percentage just slightly better than Calgary, who are 4-3-1 with a one overtime loss. So uh, Calgary has actually played one more game than both Medicine Hat and Edmonton. The Lethbridge Hurricanes are fourth in the division. Red Deer with a record of 2-6-2. Two, two. They've played the most games. They are also dead last in the division. Meanwhile, the hub in uh, Saskatchewan, in Regina, those teams have already caught up to the Central Division in terms of uh, games played, even though they started two weeks later. And that's the advantage of having it in a hub. You could play three or four games in a week. With no travel, it really is much easier to do. 
Uh, Saskatoon is leading the pack right now with a record of 6-0-1. The next best team going by winning percentage would be Winnipeg at 5-2. Brandon next with a record of 5-2-1. Again, all of these games, uh, all of these standings right now as I speak. Uh, there are eight games in the WHL tonight. Uh, the U.S. division, well, the early story so far is not only is Everett 3-0, and they haven't allowed a goal. Three shutouts to start the season for Dustin Wolf. Uh, Portland has yet to lose in regulation time. They're 2-0-1. And the other big news out of the U.S. division was that a couple of players were released by the Seattle Thunderbirds for, quote, a racial incident uh, within the team. They sent out the press release about that uh, yesterday. That would be on Thursday. And the press release reads that uh, two players communicating inappropriate racial comments and actions towards a third player in the locker room was brought forward. The uh, incident was uh, thoroughly investigated. The Seattle Thunderbirds have a zero-tolerance policy for comments and actions that are racially insensitive or bullying. Effective immediately, the two players are no longer on the T-Birds roster. And while the press release didn't mention who those two players are, uh, fans quickly pointed out that the two players who were dropped from the roster from uh, earlier in the year, and they were actually scratched from the previous game as well, uh, were Kai Uchaz and uh, Brendan Williamson Uchaz, a former 10th overall pick in the 2018 draft. So a, a key player uh, for the Seattle Thunderbirds, but uh, credit to the T-Birds for taking this action because that kind of stuff has to be uh, rooted out uh, from... Uh, well, from all walks of life, to be quite honest with you. So I salute the T-Birds for uh, making that decision and uh, making it uh, somewhat public. They didn't um, mention the players, but uh, those names obviously are out there now. Other big news that was reported yesterday, Rod Peterson, host of the Rod Peterson Show, announced on his program that uh, he's hearing the BCHL is reportedly leaving the Canadian Junior Hockey League to play on their own. And not only that, that four AJHL teams would join the BCHL clubs uh, to uh, kind of amalgamate and form a new league outside of the CJHL. Uh, and he went so far as to say that um, the four AJHL teams would be the Brooks Bandits, the Okotoks Oilers, the Grand Prairie Storm, and the Spruce Grove Saints. And obviously three of those teams, I, I would say Brooks, Okotoks, and Spruce Grove are probably three of the higher profile teams uh, in the AJHL. You throw Sherwood Park into that mix who were not named in uh, in this report by Rod. He also said that uh, the information he's getting about this came from one of those four AJHL teams. Now, I am not suggesting in any way that uh, Rod is incorrect, although the AJHL took exception with that, uh, that story. Uh, what I said yesterday on Twitter was that rumors of sort of a BCHL-AJHL merger that would create like a, a junior A super league. I've, I have heard those rumors for since the pipeline show started where it would be teams like the ones that he mentioned, plus, you know, throw Sherwood park and maybe Bonneville, something like that. Uh, and you'd get five or six of the BCHL's top teams. And then you'd create a, like a 12 team, a junior A league. That would be the, the upper, upper echelon of junior A talent across Canada. Uh, so that aspect wasn't new to me. The fact that uh, it's, it's apparently potentially progressing as far as what Rod is describing. That is news because everything I'd heard had always just been speculation, basically. Now, for their part, the AJHL uh, responded yesterday with a uh, a post on social media, which was short and sweet. The 
says the AJHL remains a member of the Canadian Junior Hockey League and there is no plan for the creation of a new joint league. No active members of the AJHL have expressed a desire to leave the AJHL and join an alternative league outside of the province. That uh, quote attributed to Ryan Bartoshik, the AJHL's commissioner. Uh, I saw several tweets from uh, people around the league, uh, around the AJHL, uh, one being Tyler Yarmchuk, who is uh, pretty close with the Sherwood Park Crusaders and hosted an AJHL show on TSN 1260. You've heard him on this program in the past. His information as of yesterday, and I haven't checked his Twitter feed today to see if there was any follow-up, but um, that the what he's hearing is that the BCHL is, is withdrawing from the CJHL, but that somehow, and I'm not sure how that would work, but they are going to stay under the umbrella of Hockey Canada, though. And as for the AJHL teams... He was told that that, and the quote he gives is that makes no sense. And as Tyler said, think about it. Why would a team add on the extra travel costs and lose out on local rivalries just to join the BCHL? And as Tyler said, it would be more stunning if that happened rather than the AJHL leaving the Canadian Junior Hockey League as a whole, uh, which the AJHL has already said that's not going to happen. Uh, speaking of not going to happen, that was the uh, tweet from Trent Wilhock, who's an executive with the Olds Grizzlies, basically replying to me and to Rod Peterson on Twitter, said, never going to happen. Moving on, uh, Trent Wilhock. One of the uh, executives with the Olds Grizzlies also happens to be the Wilhock behind Wilhock Beef Jerky, who is the title sponsor here of the Pipeline Show. I, I traded messages with Trent briefly yesterday about that. But I, I'm still in, intrigued uh, where this story goes, if it goes anywhere. He had a one-word reply to the AJHL's uh, social media tweet about uh, well, the one that I just read, and, and Rod's reply to that was just one word, yet, as in the AJHL isn't uh, leaving the CJHL yet, and no teams have expressed an interest in leaving the AJHL yet. We will see. I do remember Rod. Listen, Rod is a really connected guy, and I'm not uh, disputing that uh, he has been given this information. I remember back when the Oilers were looking to uh, find a new general manager for Pete Chiarelli, and Rod had tweeted out several weeks anyway, uh, before it was announced that Ken Holland would be the next general manager of the Oilers, and a lot of people were poo-pooing that, and it turned out Rod was correct. So credit where credit is due. Rod is a connected guy. Uh, we will see, though, what happens here with the AJHL and the BCHL, for that matter. I mentioned Wilhawk Beef Jerky, title sponsor of the Pipeline Show. They power everything that you hear here on the program. They have two locations in Leduc and Spruce Grove. I've been to both now. I was at Spruce Grove a couple of weeks ago, and on Tuesday I went down to Leduc, picked up a couple of pounds, and I am actually going to Spruce tomorrow to pick up a couple more pounds of beef jerky because I am uh, off to see my mother this weekend in Cold Lake, and she asked me to bring her some. I haven't seen my mom. I've only seen her once in the last since Christmas of 2019, as a matter of fact. Uh, only saw her in the summer of 2020. So it's been a long time. She only lives three hours away, but because of COVID, we're keeping our distance and all that. I'm just going to sit in her backyard on a lawn chair and sit around a campfire, something like that. It's my birthday this weekend, so uh, going out to see my mom. And she asked me to bring her some jerky, and no better jerky to bring her than Wilhock beef jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. So good, so delicious, so tender. If you haven't tried it yet, uh, you need to try it. You can get in touch with either location. Just go to their website, wilhockbeefjerky.com. Wilhock, spelled W-I-L-H-A-W. 
UK, WilhawkBeefJerky.com. The NCAA National Tournament has begun, and my bracket is out the window already as Bemidji State doubles up Wisconsin 6-3. That is, uh, I, I believe I read it's the 15th year in a row where a number four has upset the number one team in uh, one of the regionals. Just goes to show you how important it is just to make the tournament and that there's enough parity through college hockey that it it's it's quite possible. And I'm the dummy who picked all four number one seeds to get to the Frozen Four, so... One game in, and my bracket is out the window. Uh, but the big news, even before the first game was played today, was that uh, yesterday it was announced Notre Dame wouldn't be able to participate. So Boston College got the automatic uh, victory in the opening round. And this morning, same thing happened for the University of Michigan. The Wolverines, who were, man, such a fun team to watch this year, and they were going to have an epic match with uh, the University of Minnesota Duluth today. Well, Michigan out of the tournament because of COVID uh, protocol as well. So the Bulldogs move on. They'll play the winner between North Dakota and American International. So three teams out of the tournament, one of them actually got to play today, and that was Wisconsin, who lost 6-3. So that cues the Cole Caulfield to uh, Montreal and the Dylan Holloway to the Edmonton Oilers. The watch party has begun for both of those players, and uh, I saw somebody else, I think it was Chris Peters actually, who you're going to hear from today on the program, uh, tweeted that he doesn't expect that watch to last very long, uh, and neither do I. I think both of those players will probably be with their NHL teams uh, within the week, and then they'll have to do the quarantine and all that. Let's get to the guest list and uh, kick off the show. Uh, of course, all my guests will join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, the tap room. You can stop by, and they have uh, lots of uh, merchandise now as well to uh, look at, and of course, the home delivery. Use promo code PIPELINE. You can get home delivery in Alberta. Absolutely free. If you live between Calgary and uh, St. Albert, that includes Edmonton and Sherwood Park and Red Deer and all the towns in between, you can get that delivery absolutely free just by going online and ordering at troubledmonk.com shop and using promo code PIPELINE. There's a new IPA on the website this week. That would be the Adaptation Double IPA. I can happily report that I got to try the Sea Serpent IPA I think I have one more can of that, but uh, I was enjoying that last night. It's definitely distinctive tasting, but I enjoyed that one. So check out what Troubled Monk has to offer on their uh, website and make sure you use promo code PIPELINE. All right, three guests uh, on the program this week, but two of the uh, segments are lengthy conversations. The first one is with Bill Wilms, who has been around the WHL for many, many years as a broadcaster. And with the BC division getting to play this weekend, I wanted to have him on the show to uh, profile and preview what's going to happen in that division. Of course, he's been a longtime color analyst with the Vancouver Giants, although he is not going to Kelowna or Kamloops. He's going to be involved in the broadcasts from Vancouver. So Bill Wilms is going to join me to kick things off. Then we'll have a 2021 draft spotlight with a player at Canadian who is playing in the USHL. Ayrton Martino is his name. He's a forward with the Omaha Lancers and having a fantastic season, even though he just got there right after Christmas. He's already top 10 in league scoring and uh, just outside the top five in points per game. So terrific season from a guy I think you need to know for the NHL draft. And we will end this week's episode with Chris Peters with a preview of the national tournament, which I know it has begun. That's why I'm trying to get this episode out as quickly as possible. So without further ado, let's kick it off. Bill Wilms. Sets up the WHL's BC division and the return to action. That's first here on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming 
powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. Up now to DeBrus, gains a tiger line, shoots, scored! Jake DeBrus does it again in overtime! Hey, it's Jake DeBrus of the Swift Current Broncos, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Month Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale. An easy drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I had a bad feeling about this. It's The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we'll begin this week's episode off uh, well, I couldn't think of a better guest to do it as the BC division is uh, getting finally getting back into action uh, this coming weekend as uh, the five remaining teams in the WHL who haven't started yet finally get to, get to hit the ice. And uh, that means my next guest is going to be back busy again. Uh, Bill Wilms, welcome back to the program. Bill, how are you? Sure. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've been playing with them all week. Every text I got from Guy, I just said one word answer, sure. And obviously, I most of the stuff we worked back and forth, Guy, just needed to sure. Happy to be with you again. Well, it's great to hear from you. And I know uh, I, before we start the, with the actual business, a uh, big day for you. Yeah, we uh, we got uh, got the needle, got the shot. My wife and I back to back. She was, I think, 412. I was 419 or something or 421. I mean, it's to the minute. They do a great job. And uh, yeah, I feel pretty good, actually, to be honest with you. No side effects. In fact, I didn't even feel a needle go in my arm, but that's that's good no uh, the more the better awesome good for you bill i think uh well i'm probably a little bit uh, further away than uh than uh, than i'd like to for sure to get the shot but uh i think maybe in the next couple of months so fingers crossed for that i think it's important that everybody does uh, get immunized so we can put this darn covid business in the rearview mirror but thankfully uh, the uh, whl has well it's been you know almost uh, a month now here in alberta uh, BC getting going this weekend. Um, what's the last twelve months? Twelve months been like for you, Bill, when it comes to you know work wise. Well, you know, I thank goodness I got a, a, a golf business that is my real job, and uh, we produce a discount golf cart in in Vancouver, half for twenty five plus years. Expanded to Winnipeg four years ago. This is our fifth year there, and um, you know, this is uh, my really my bread and butter, and. Uh, Obviously, having taught school and you know being pensionable, if you will, in that respect, I uh, I, I do uh, you know get that. But uh, you know, the hockey is something you miss. Obviously, I don't do it to the point where you can make a full time living out of being a, a color commentator in the Western Hockey League. But mm-hmm. um, a, a year without hockey, twenty two years in a row, Guy. I uh, I had a September that uh, had hockey involved in it, and uh, this is the first year it didn't. So it gave my golf business a a little head start, and I, I, you know what? I played a lot of golf myself, to be perfectly honest with you. It's so safe. You get outside. 
I think the golf courses have done a marvelous job of uh, of keeping you know keeping things safe, the the distancing and the staggered tee times and the you know the sanitation uh, of carts and flags and everything else. It's just it's just been great. So I, I've kept uh, I've kept pretty busy. It's been pretty good. Well, I can tell you that when the golf courses uh, you know in a normal year the golf courses don't open here until April and they shut down around late October. So there's a good five months of the year there's no golf here anyway. And then with the COVID stuff this past year, there were stretches where the golf courses weren't operating. So were you golfing all year round this year out in Vancouver? Yeah, this has been a crazy good year. Um, I, you know, we, I don't think we had, where I live in southern Vancouver here, the south end, we, I don't think we had any snow that stayed on the ground at all. Uh, and as I've said many times that, you know, they don't even take the flags out of the holes, the golf courses. If you do get snow, they just wait till it melts. Well, that leads me to a, a, a write-in question I have from a listener uh, through the Patreon page, uh, one of the patrons, Brian, who wants to know, he says, uh, Bill Wilms, for the win, got to ask him what the best golfing options are during a pandemic. So do you got some favorite courses that you can uh, suggest to Brian? Well, where is he from, Alberta? I, I actually think he's from the Portland area, to be honest with you. Well, this Pacific Northwest is is obviously – prime weather-wise for you know for canada for playing golf year-round uh there'd be many times that i uh i would do a game in uh in portland and you know drive my car down maybe a day early uh stay overnight next day play some golf before the broadcast did that once last year it was it was phenomenal uh, but i generally try to incorporate most of my golf with the golf courses that are asking for golf digest panelists to come out and do a rating for them so i i've been a panelist for about 30 years and so when i'm in portland i'll you know i'll I'll look at the courses on my list that are saying actively seeking evaluations and then you know most of them are private clubs so i'm fortunate enough to to go there seattle's got some wonderful courses but again i tend to be fortunate enough to be able to to get to uh to get to some of the private clubs and you know, you're not spending four and a half, five hours on the course either. It's usually very, very quickly. And and gee, I don't mind playing alone. I often play with a with a power cart myself, make my notes, you know, and do my job for for the magazine and and the way we go. So you know, you know, Vancouver's got terrific course. Anywhere along this west coast is obviously, you know, uh, hey, it's going to be wet. Uh, you're going to have to play in the wintertime. You're going to have to play some some wet golf courses. But uh, they build courses now with you know. 8, 10, sometimes 12 inches of sand underneath. Courses are redoing some of their fairways, and so the drainage is fantastic by and large. All right, awesome. Well, I hope Brian was able to take something from that. I, and you get to the private golf courses, you just roll up and say, hey, do you know who I am? And they let you right in, right? Well, no, yeah, you know what? It's not quite like that. I mean, I sometimes I have to I have to send my accreditation uh, a couple of weeks in advance. So I certainly have to book in advance. But but I would suggest you know if you want to if you want to know really just everything is online now to be perfectly honest with you uh, uh, you know you you can get all the information you want and you know if I can you know if I can plug my our magazine absolutely a, a little bit I'll say you know go to Golf Digest and and Google Golf Digest and go on you know the great best public courses in each state and you'll see exactly what's available to you as a you know, as a public golf course player. And, and 
It's it's pretty fascinating. You you won't get lynx style courses, Ogie, too often because of you know the trees in the Pacific Northwest and that kind of situation. You get a lot of golf courses with individually lined fairways where, where, where you're treed and and um, you know it's very pretty. It's everything's green. I mean, obviously this is this Pacific Northwest, so you've mm-hmm. got green everywhere. But uh, yeah, go go to uh, you know for example, Golf Digest <clears throat> online and and Google. Uh, public courses in each state you'll get a good list of them and the business that you're uh, that uh you have the golf cart manufacturers uh, well the golf card it's, oh, card. Uh, it's a discount yeah it's, a, it's no but that's fine it's a discount golf cart um it's uh again discountgolfcart.ca discountgolfcart.ca um you go online and to this point you can click on a vancouver card or a winnipeg card but gee be my contact person uh, I've been asked to start this in in uh, Alberta. Oh, uh, you know we, we have the chorus uh, radio network CJOB in Winnipeg and Power ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, OB Winnipeg carries the uh, Jets games, carries the Bomber games, and they have said we want your golf cart. So they sell it on the radio for me. All I have to do is get the inventory, get the courses. They sell it, and it's been great. Same thing in Vancouver. We are we are now the Sportsnet discount golf cart here because TSN, which it was, you know, went off the air. Yeah. But uh, the, the, in Edmonton, I think what is it? Check C H E no. Uh, uh, Ched C H E D. Yeah, Ched. They, and they do yeah, the Oilers yeah. and the uh, Eskimo. Well, not the Eskimos anymore, but the Edmonton Edmonton Football Club, whatever they're calling them now. What do you think? What, what, what are they elk or something? I don't know if it's become official or not. I know that was one of the names that was in the running. What do you like? I was fine with the Edmonton Empire because they'd kind of been building that for three or four years, ah. uh, but they decided to move away from that. But and they'll keep the double E though, I'm that, sure. Yeah, every name that they threw out there for the fans to vote on was a was an E, so that they could keep the logo and and uh, everything else just moves ahead. You? I kind of. What was the other one? Was the Elk, the Empire? There was one more. Um, I mean, it'll never not be the Eskimos for me. I don't care how they they, they change names. So uh, that's that, that's that's my 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 take on that. But nudge nudge wink wink. Uh, Chorus Network C H E D Chad. Uh, maybe we get in touch and, and run some program in uh, in Edmonton as well. There you go. I hope it works for you. All right, Bill. Let's get to the hockey. And uh, there's five teams in the BC division. They're all going to uh, meet up in either Kamloops or um, Kelowna. And do the bubble. Uh, what's the breakdown? Who's who's where? Well, you know what? It's for me. It's hard to say, and I, I'm going to tell you why. With with a 24 game schedule, I don't know how how teams will balance the exposure of players and giving them an opportunity. How you balance that with winning? Um, I don't know how important winning is going to be, other yeah. than the fact that it's always important. I, don't get me wrong; you want to win, but. You know, you've got 20-year-olds that they're playing for contracts, obviously. And I think the Western Hockey League has been so good for 20-year-olds in getting free agent signings. Um, you've got the, you know, the drafted players that are unsigned. They've got to play for, uh, they're going to be playing for contracts. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your 16-year-olds. It's such an important year for 16-year-olds. Some are carrying up to four. I've heard maybe even five 16-year-olds. Well, you not normally carry maybe two, maybe one mm-hmm. some years, but certainly two. Um, 
And then your draft eligible players, your your you know your seventeen year olds. Now I don't know what the NHL is going to be doing about the draft. I I think they've been they're going to delay it to give these scouts a chance and the players a chance to play a little bit next year as well. But all of these situations are under a microscope. So what do you do as an organization? You only got twenty four games, and I heard that the playoff schedule, if there is one, will be different for each division, and it it's going to be short. It might be winning team in a division. Um, so your schedule of games plus your playoffs, and if there's only one team, let's say, that makes the playoffs or two in a sudden death, I don't know how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, how important is your record, your, your win-loss record, when you still have the obligation, as I outlined, of, you know, four or five different age categories to, you know, to satisfy? So how do you balance that? Uh, you know, I, I'm not completely sure. Is there a Memorial Cup this year in 2021? Yeah, without the OHL starting yet, and if they don't do something soon, uh, then you'd probably scrap the year for the OHL. And then, do you do you have a Memorial Cup without one of the the leagues? Do you just have the WHL champ and the and the Q champ uh, squaring off for the Memorial Cup? I, I don't know. Well, there you know, there you go. So I I don't know either. And 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 again, I just wonder. Uh, I wonder how important. Uh, that aspect of getting as many wins as you can at the expense of, you know, sitting guys, you know, that really need to get exposed and read to, you know, I mean, those are some critical years. You're 17 and 16 year old year. We got a guy here, Zach Kostopchuk. Yep. I think he's from Edmonton. Yep. He's, uh, you know, he got hurt, missed 35 games last year. And if he's already missing, you know, whatever he's missing this year, I mean, that's a whole year without hockey. And you, you know, at a, such a critical age, when you're growing two and three inches and putting on 15, 20 pounds sometimes. I mean, it's hard enough when you're playing all the time. So now you're not playing and, you know, you got to develop. You you can't lose a year of uh, your team. Your your franchise can't lose a year of 16-year-old, undeveloped 16-year-olds because right. you'll pay a couple years for it, you know? Yeah, I really think this year is all about development. It just, you know, for those, yeah, okay. the 20s and the 19-year-olds, as you mentioned, looking to, to further their career after the WHL, and the young guys need to get acclimated to this level so that they're ready to go next year, knock on wood, that next season's a normal season. Uh, so I think it's more about development, but when I've asked GMs and, and coaches, they say, well, we want to win the games. I think once the puck drops, those the players that are there, uh, they want to win. Um, the standings may not matter to media as much, but I think uh, uh, development goes hand-in-hand with winning, too. I think if you want to build a winning culture, uh, you don't do that by losing games. Yeah, I, I don't think any of these guys, I don't think any of the players at all, any of the coaches have ever played 24 games in a season. I mean, yeah. they, they just, it, you know, it's it's something brand new and it's going to be watched. But, you know, for Vancouver here, um, obviously, you know, without a Bowen Byram, it, you, you're going to have a little different look. Uh, I mean, to me, he was always the architect of danger. You just never, you couldn't take your eye off him because he was going to do something spectacular. And it, it, it's obviously they prepared to completely go ahead without him. But, you know, the three 20-year-olds here, Tristan Nielsen, uh, Eric Florchuk, and, and Alex Kanak-Liepert, you know, Nielsen is the 20-year-old that they got in the trade with James' mom that went to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And they gained a year on that trade, Guy, and this was the year. They, you know, they were going to get 68 more games than James' mom because he was a 20-year-old. Right. Well, that's cut down to 24. Um, Florchuk, 
you know, he had 23 power play assists last year. And, you know, Vancouver power play with Byram at the back end was, you know, was pretty good. And Forchuk, when they picked him up out of Saskatoon, he was a he was a key part to that power play. And I, I'm not surprised at all for a second that he's one of the 20 year olds. And and um, you know Nielsen's a sniper. I mean, he had nine power play goals, 30 goals on the season, and you know really came into his own. So I, I expect Vancouver power play to be pretty darn good. Kataklipert's the most complete Vancouver defenseman that you could keep. He's a, I think he's a plus 50 in those last two seasons. So mm-hmm. so that's important. Uh, Miner is, you know, Trent Miner will get the goaltending job. There's no question. And what did he play? He played six games, I think, with Colorado in the American Hockey League. And earned a and contract. Earned a contract. 903 save percentage. He was only 903 in the Western Hockey League yeah. last year. Yeah. He played the most of all five goalies at Colorado. It's great for him. Great for, uh, you know, a good representation for the WHL. There's a lot of guys who were in the AHL this year from the dub who fared very well, and, and he was definitely one of them. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, how confident is he going to be coming back? Yeah. Uh, and he's not going to have to share anything with, you know, with David Tendick. Obviously, a key guy, too, is, is Justin Sordiff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he thought he was going to go, you know, that he was going to go in the top two rounds. He, he, he thought he might even go in the first round. I mean, Florida, I think, is extremely lucky. What they get him in, in, in the third or was it the fourth yeah, third round? third round, 87th overall. And he's, I, you know what? He, I think he's going to play with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, even though he's drafted and he's in the NHL as far as, uh, you know, property of, of, of an NHL team. I, I think he's going to try to prove something that maybe he should have, you know, gone a lot higher. I, I, his consistency, he had a stretch last year where he played 10 games in late January. It was early February. He had In 10 games, he had 10 goals. They, they have to get that out of him. Uh, there, there's no question that he has to be that, that consistent a player. So, um, you know, on a, a prop here to the Giants, I think they've had a player drafted now in 16 of 19 years. So, um, it's, it's, it's kind of exciting, you know, for, you know, for him. And as I say, I think he's going to be, you know, kind of a key part to, to this team. I'm interested in the fact that the Vancouver Giants got three players from the Alberta Junior League. They they got Adam Hall. He's a 19 year old. Yep. Spruce Grove. Uh, his brother is that twin brother. You know that yep. that's at Lethbridge. Yep. And I think he's he's leading Lethbridge in scoring. Could be. And Adam had played a little for the Hurricanes at one point too, I believe. Right. And they got a guy by the name of Caden Chabot or Chabot. I don't even know for sure his pronunciation, but this guy got 19 goals at Drayton Valley last year. Yep. And he's an 18 year old. And I think the hook there, or the connection rather is that he played with Michael Dick, the coach. He played for him in Bantam, and he played with him in Midget. Ah. And I think that's uh, – that's I think that he may come highly, you know, recommended. I, I don't know at all. I haven't seen him play. I don't know his upside. But I think any time that you can get a player from Tier 2, uh, he played, I think, two years with him. He played – well, 19 goals. You don't give him 20 goals. That's a pretty good season in that league. And then they got a guy named Bryce – Bader, mm-hmm. um, I think he played at Sherwood Park 40 games. Not a not a big scorer, but uh, uh, again, a 19-year-old. So you got two 19s and an 18-year-old from the Alberta Junior League. So, I mean, you know as well as anybody, it's, a, it's still a big jump from that level to the Western Hockey League. But uh, I, I think, you know, they, they, it's helped the team get a little bigger and certainly some, some pretty good experience. They only got a couple 16-year-olds. 
that I'm inter- really interested in. One is uh, Colton Lanko. You know, his dad was Damon, who played yep. in National Hockey League. I don't know how many games. You know, you know, Guy, the first time I was in Tri-City with the Seattle Thunderbirds, okay, we started, I forget what year it was, long ago, 95 or 96 season, I think it was in there. So anyway, uh, it's our first trip to to Tri-City. And I'm still kind of getting used to the Western Hockey League uh, from the radio broadcast. And we go into Tri-City, Now, kind of never forget this, the starting line that night for the Americans was Damon Lanko, first round pick of Tampa, Terry Ryan, a first round pick of Montreal, and Yaroslav Svetkovsky, who went on to be a first round pick that year with Washington. And I'll tell you, I said to myself, whoa, three likely, well, two and one likely first rounder all on one line. And I thought to myself, you know, welcome, welcome to the Western Hockey This is a kind of talent that you know, that they've got here. But Colton is a 16-year-old, and uh, he uh, he's just come in from Phoenix apparently yesterday, and he's got the quarantine, so he probably won't be in the in the lineup. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, he won't be in the lineup yeah, for, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, for a couple of weeks. And then Julian Cull is a 16-year-old that they got. Uh, he's, he's a Victoria kid, and uh, he played uh, some junior B hockey on the island, and, you know, he's a uh, – He's a 16-year-old, and it looks like they're going to carry the two. And, uh, you know, with the 20-year-olds that I talked about, uh, you know, they're going to be certainly good from that point on. I, I, I shouldn't forget their European draft, Marco Straka. Yeah. Slovakian, 18 I don't know nothing about him. I, I'm just impressed that Vancouver got an, an import in because as far as I had known, I thought Portland was the only team that was able to get their imports over. I, I don't think there's that many imports uh, in the dub. This year, and I think that's part of the reason why we see so many 16-year-olds. Yeah, well, and that and that's uh, that's interesting too. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to get lucky with with your import players. Uh, you you know, you go to a team like Prince George; they've not had a lot of luck up there with imports. You you got to strike it. You got to have a bit of a catch. You know, lightning in a bottle to get one of these guys. It's a, a high-end score. But this yeah. kid, this kid's a defenseman. He's got some pretty good size. Um, played for uh, Slovakia, I understand the world junior. So I'm anxious to, to see him. He's over here and, and that's, that's always a good sign. And then they've got on their roster, and I've not talked to anybody about this kid, Mazden Leslie, a 15 year old. Why would a team have a 15 year old listed in, on their roster? If he can only play five games or his name's not Connor Bedard. Yeah, he was, a, you know, Vancouver's uh, first rounder. I think he was 10th. And when's his birthday? Does he turn 16 right away? Well, he's a 15 hockey-wise. I know that. Okay. His his coach at, at Lloyd Minister says, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of Quinn Hughes, Bowen Byron, Cale McCarr, you're going to love this kid. All so, right. I mean, that speaks, speaks highly of him. And, I mean, that's an organization. That's a coach at had Cale Clegg, had Ty Smith, so he certainly knows a little bit about about defensemen. So, I mean, it, it's going to be an interesting team. I, overall, it looks like this team is going to be maybe not quite as prolific scoring-wise when you don't have a guy like Byron, but it looks like when I look at the size, Vancouver's probably going to be a little bit bigger. But you know what? Trent Miner is going to, going to be a big factor in goal for this hockey club this year. So we're excited about that, and uh, that all starts Friday night. Well, the uh, question with the young defenseman might be a good one for Barkley Pernetta or Michael Dick. But I'm guessing maybe it's because he's not getting to play at all this year, so having him there to practice at least 
maybe he doesn't get into any games or only a handful of games, but just to practice to help him uh, with his uh, with his own development for this year. You know, three months of that might be better than just sit, staying at home. Good point. You know, but why? But I'm wondering why on the roster. Oh, I know. You put him. Why? You have to put a 50 year old on the roster. He can only play five games. Right. Um, so, you know, in any case, they've listed him and, and he's, he's a very high draft pick and he's guy comes obviously, as I said, highly recommended. All right, let's go to Victoria. The other uh, team that starts with a V, uh, what do you, uh, what do you know about them this year? Cause everybody loses so many players. It seems like it's been forever since we saw these teams on the ice. Uh, and we know there's lots of young guys. So, uh, out, you know, some of the names that obviously jump out on the roster, Braden Tracy, of course, is going to be their go-to guy up front. Uh, and Adam Ivanov, at this point in his career, should be, you, you know, a pretty strong goaltender. Um, but what else stands out to you about Victoria? Well, that's that's exactly, and you nailed it with with two guys. The thing with Tracy, uh, and for people that didn't know, he was a Anaheim 2019 first rounder. He got picked 29, so he's late in the first round. But nonetheless, my concern is what headspace is this guy going to be in? Agreed. I mean, h- how can you? How can you be all in in the Western Hockey League? He played 12 games in the American League, you know, with San Diego. Now, I'm surprised at that, too. 12 games, you never had a point. But, you know, he's a signed player. Can he, you know, I mean, can he wait for this WHL season to be over? Right. Is there, I mean, is he thinking pro? Is he? Uh, but nonetheless, let, you know, let's assume that he's, a, and he is 19. That's why you can't, you know, they can't send him down Anaheim so uh 22 goal guy last year led, led the team in scoring they're gonna they're gonna miss Gary Hayden I always like Gary Hayden yeah, he's a, at 20 or he's, he's, he's yeah and he, you know I think Brandon Cutler is a 20 year old that, that that might be kind of interesting um a forward they kept Brandon Cutler is a 20 year old they got Matthew Smith a defenseman and as you said goalie Adam Evenoff is a is a 20 year old but uh, again, I'm not on top of everything, but I have no idea why you would trade Kate Oliver to Edmonton with the prolific scorer that he's been with Victoria. And even Mitch Prouse, they traded him to Lethbridge. I, I, to me, those are head scratchers because I just don't know anymore. I mean, he was their best defenseman and Oliver was a leading scorer. And, uh, by the way, their power play was 21st in the, in the, uh, in the league last year. So that was a bit of a surprise. And then you lose the guys that they've lost. Where's the scoring going to come from? But again, they got a pretty good goaltender in Evenoff. First round pick in the 2019 draft is in uh, with the team now. A defenseman Jason Spazaka. I don't know anything about him, but when a team, you know, it's a first round pick. They've also got their second round pick from that year in Kalen Parker, another defenseman. So they've got some youth in there that they're going to want to get some exposure to the league. Try to build again for next year. Four 16 year olds, I understand. And that, that's the point. So, you know, if it's just winner take all in the BC division, as far as advancing to anything beyond, you know, your own division, then boy, you, you got to get these 16 year olds some ice time. And, and they've got, uh, they've got a pretty good kid in Jackson Alexander that they got in the, in the Kate Oliver trade from Edmonton. But I, I just don't know an awful lot about him. I know he's had a couple of shoulder operations, hasn't played a lot of hockey, but. You know, Oliver was, uh, at least against Vancouver, he was always dynamite. Yeah, Jackson's not on the uh, the roster on the WHL page for Victoria, so I, I'm not sure if he's with the team at the moment or not. I haven't heard. And and Oliver, he's I, I won't say he's lighting it up. It's hard to light it up in Edmonton when you've got, you know, Dylan Gunter and 
you know, some of the talent that they got there, but isn't he scoring pretty good for the Oil Kings? Yeah, he's on the top line with Jake Neighbors. He's between Jake Neighbors and Dylan Gunther. So you got a first wow. round pick on your one wing and you got a you know, potential top 10 pick on your other wing. Uh, yeah, things are working out pretty well for Kate Oliver right now. Wow. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And he's, he's a obviously reliable scorer. He's uh, been pretty impressive. He's had a few injury problems, but he's been good. All right, let's go to Prince George uh, and uh, tell me what the Cougars have. Uh, I, this is a team who's kind of been struggling the last few years, but, you know, uh, down years usually mean to high draft picks and uh, uh, improvement, you would hope. Uh, and I know their first-round pick from 2019 is Keaton Dahaniak, his older brother, is uh, a member of the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings. But for me, this is, again, uh, you got Tyler Brennan and Taylor Gauthier in net. Uh, they've got to be, if at this point in their WHL career, they should be, you know, like the one of the best tandems in the league, if not the best, kind of like what uh, the Giants had last year with, with uh, Trent Miner and, and David Tenda. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Gauthier, what did he? I think he had the most minutes played in the Western Hockey League. Um, second most shots faced. He was he was a busy guy, and, and through all that, a nine one seven save percentage. So he was always impressive when 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 we played him. He's a nineteen year old, and I think their backup is likely going to be that. You know, at least the the kid we saw, Tyler Brennan, a seventeen year old. But Gee, when you're twenty year olds, you know, and they are the keys to your hockey club many years, eh? Yeah. You better have have guys that can can really make a difference on the ice. Well, they, they're Jack Sanders, uh, a defenseman. You know, Elijah Kalina, as a forward, I think he had four goals last year. And Cole Moberg, uh, with a nine-goal season, he's a, a, a defenseman. He's playing pro hockey right now, I think, at Rockford. Yep. Last year, I think Prince George had the fewest goals in, in, in the entire league, yep. 144. Uh, and you've got no goal, goal scorers returning. I don't think that 24-game schedule can get over quick enough. Yeah, Six 16-year-olds, and they haven't got an import that I could see. But, golly, they were a tough out every time I saw them last year. Um, they, 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 battled, they battled you right, not to the final whistle, to the echo of the final whistle. Um, you know, you, you, just, you just had your hands full with that Cougar team. They, they skated and they worked and... And but I just don't see much, you know. I mean, I, I don't know much coming back there. I know they've got uh, a couple younger guys. I I wasn't overly impressed with the overall offensive season. Ty, you know, Tyson Upper had. I think he went from five goals up to eight. And you know, Johnny Hooker he had a pretty good year. Uh, Connor Bowie's a you know a 19 year old. They've got to get something out of those guys. But uh, no import to to really. You know, skilled guy, if you will, and, and not a lot of goals coming back. So, and a goaltender that faced a lot of shots last year and did well, he's going to have to steal some games from them. I don't see a whole lot there, but you know, I could be wrong. Oh, I'm with you. I'm looking. I'm wondering who's going to do the scoring there as well. Let's go to the two uh, host cities in the uh, this, this double bubble. Jeez, uh, I just came up with that. The double bubble in uh, in British Columbia like for, yeah. for the WHL. Uh, the Kelowna Rockets, who were supposed to host the Memorial Cup last year. Um, and obviously that fell through uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, what do you make of this club uh, with guys coming back and uh, and the new guys coming in? Uh, is this a, a team that should contend for the division title, or is it a growing year for them? Usually, a team that you know gets the Memorial Cup, it's you know you, you have to rebuild after that. But is it a little different this year because the Rockets didn't go? 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, in, in that again, the short schedule, you just you just don't know. Sometimes it takes team twenty four games, twenty games to to really you know get going. That's true. Um, so it's going to be over really quick. Uh, you know, two years ago, uh, the Kelowna Rockets were under five hundred. Um, they they were forty points you know behind Vancouver. Um, last year wasn't. They were under, I think they were just over 500, somewhere around, you know, 28 or 29 wins. Uh, I think part of the, the, I don't want to say problem, but part of the situation that team has faced is that they've had coaching changes. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Adam Foote, he was let go. That was a surprise. I mean, you know, at the start of the year, he seemed like absolutely the perfect fit for that team. And Chris Millett's got it now. And if you go back even prior to that, you had Jason Smith. You go back prior to that, you had, you know, Brad Ralph. And I, I think if you look down that roster closely enough, you, you might have some guys that have played for all four coaches right. there. Certainly, certainly for three. So I think that's taken a, a bit of an, made a, a bit of an impact on, uh, on the Rockets, but they've, they've got some pretty good returnees. You know, look at that Pavel Novak, an 18 year old, he led the team in scoring. And boy, when you get a rookie, a European rookie, 17 years old last year, to come over here, you know, and lead your team in scoring. Um, you know, you've really, you've really got something, and uh, I'm impressed. To, and that was, like I could say, as a 17 year old. So I'm impressed the way he played and what he will do. And obviously, Caden Corsak's just a massive defenseman in in every way. I love the way he moves the puck. I like his shot. He's six four. I like his physical play tripled his goals basically from two years ago and he was second on that team I think in shots on goals so I'm not surprised you know that uh, you know that uh, Vegas is very very high on him uh Dylan Hamilek they've got him back I think as a 20 year old yep underwhelming for me to be honest with you yeah he needed uh, a better year last year he, he had to be better yeah yeah, exactly. I mean, 15 goals at Seattle, then dropped to 11, then back to 15 last year. And I think he had some injury problems, but um, I, I don't know. He's like I say, he's a, he's a second rounder. I think it was St. Saint Louis, if I'm not mistaken. San Jose. Uh, oh, San Jose. Uh, and then, you know what? Three guys. I, I, I like Tyler Wong. I liked mm -hmm. him as a six-year-old. But, you know, at 5'8", I, I wouldn't say he was explosive. You know, 16-year-olds usually can have a little bit bigger productive, or at least you hope that they have a little bigger productive years. I think he was a, a first-round pick for them. Yep. Um, they had a guy named Alex Swetlikoff, who, who you know played in the BCHL. They got him to come to the Western Hockey League, and that was going to be a, a, a big acquisition. Um Nothing fantastic. And then, you know, when you look at Sean Comrie from the NCAA to, yeah. to Kelowna, defenseman, um, played 35 games, 17 points. I think he had three goals. Um, they, I, I think they they got to get bigger years. And, and let me put you this way. It always happens or almost always happens that guys jump from eight or nine goals to 20 goals. I mean, this is such a great development league, but again, the, the 24 game schedule, you know, what, how's that going to hold back development? Mm -hmm. And then a guy that they picked up and I don't even know how they, I mean, I don't even know the implications behind this. You would know better than I would David Cope from Edmonton. Yep. Uh, the oil Kings just had too many twenties. They had to trim down. I think they had five or six and Cope was one of the odd men out. 
And again, a couple of years of 14 goals and then dropped to 13 last year. Uh, again, as a 20, can he be a 20 goal guy? I mean, even in a shortened season. Yeah. But they got a couple goaltenders that, oh, and, and I wanted to mention Jake Lee, the defenseman that he got from Seattle. I, I don't know what it is. I've liked him for a couple of years, but somehow the pros never warmed up to his game. And, you know, he's a 19-year-old and he hasn't been drafted and, you know, he could have a he could have a big year this year. But the two goaltenders, Roman Bazarin and what is it, Cole Schwebius, uh yeah. again, if 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 I had a sixty eight game schedule or a seventy game schedule, you could probably see a little bit more into the future because you expect guys to make a a, a little bitter bigger improvement, but sure. it's gotta be very, very quickly in a shortened season. All right, let's uh, finish it off with uh, the Kamloops Blazers, who I think most people would probably say are the uh, the top team in the division right now. They got Dylan Grand in in net and uh, some big boys on the back end, including Mon- Montana Onyabuchi, and uh, up front uh, Connor Zary just drafted in the first round, and Logan Stankoven, who could be drafted in the first round this year. There's lots to watch here uh, for the Blazers. Yeah, no no question. You know they they were probably psychologically hurt more than any team with the shutdown last year because I think they were they, they they were really rolling. This was a this was a good hockey team. This is a team that was really, really hard to defend. You know, I think they had the, the top line and scoring line in all of the all the junior hockey. They had Santazo, Zane Franklin, Connor Zaria, two hundred and fifty plus points. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they had hundred and eleven goals. Put that in perspective, the entire Swift Current team had 129. So this is a line that was really, really explosive. This is a a team that was number two in the, in the entire league in power play uh, percentage. And what was interesting to me is they drew more penalties than any other team in the Western Hockey League. Hmm. Uh, they were on the power play more times than any other team. You know, and their, their key returnees, you've already said, obviously Stan Colvin, Santazzo and, and Zeri. I mean, Zeri played nine games in the American Hockey League and 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 got with Stockton. And I mean, what did he have? He had he almost had a point a game in the nine games he played with Stockton. So obviously, in, in at this point, I'm guessing that he will play with Santazzo. And I'm wondering if if they'll put somebody like. Stan Colvin to take the place of Franklin on that line mm. and go with Santazzo, Franklin, and Zeri, uh, or, or Santazzo, uh, Stan Colvin, and Zeri as, as their top line and kind of replace what they had. I don't know how their depth is beyond that. If they can, you know, line two and line three, maybe they'll have to keep Stan Colvin in, on a second line. But, you know, when you got Anya Bucci and Bragno, a defenseman, and, and Quinn Schmeeman, a defenseman, Sean Strange, those are four defensemen back, two twenties and two nineteens. Yeah. And anytime you got four defensemen returning with that experience, that age group, you don't see a sixteen year old out there. And at this point you don't see a seventeen year old. You know you got some some pretty good stuff back on the blue line. And then you've already mentioned Dylan Grand and and the kind of goaltending he gives them. So I mean I couldn't agree with you more. This is gonna be yeah, I think the team to beat in the BC division. Now, I don't know what home ice is going to mean to them with no fans in the building, right. but it's got to mean something. It's got to be familiarity with the, with the building. So when you got the strongest talent coming back and you're playing, you know, in Kamloops, your, your home ice and, and your power play 
has been as good as it's been and your record has been as good as it's been what uh you know what will that uh you know how will that will it be a factor at all but i do think i agree with you they are the team to beat you know, going in. And we'll find out Friday night where uh, Vancouver plays Camels right out of the gate. Bill, we kind of talked about the playoffs and the uncertainty. If there's going to be a playoff or you were saying you were hearing there will be, but it'll be different in each division. What do you expect? I, to me, it seems like it's pretty easy to have at least divisional playoffs and then, then you can crown a, a divisional champ. And once you've done that, you got four teams. How hard is it to bubble up four teams in one area for, for two or three weeks and, and, and play it out? Well, that's all ultimately way, the way they'll go, in, in my opinion. I, I think they'll have something. I mean, I have heard it be from something, you know, not elaborate, but a little more elaborate than, you know, your division winners, your champ. Uh, again, I think you owe it to the players. You're already giving them only 24 games. Yeah. I think you owe it to them to have a playoff scenario, don't you? I agree. You know, I'd like to say you owe it. The owners should get something out of it too, but they can't sell tickets. They're uh, this is just uh, an expense this year for from an ownership perspective. My hat is really off to the owners of the league. No question. I, I'm hearing it's like 400 grand to have a team in the BC division this year in in this uh, in this scenario. I I mean, if there is playoffs, I don't care if it's the best two out of three, but make the games really make the games mean something to the point where. If a team loses, they're out. Yeah. And if a team wins, they advance. So whether that's uh, a, a buy to the team in first place and two and three play a best of three, uh, there's got. I, I'm hoping there's some kind of a playoff format. Yeah. I, I agree with you. What have, have you heard anything from the other division? Nope. Everybody on the, that I've asked is it's uh, all everything's being considered and no decision has been made. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm again, I, I can't look that far down the road at this, at this moment. But if there, if there is no Memorial Cup, does that give, does that give the teams a little more time to, to finish a league here, you know, to finish a playoff properly? I, I don't know. Yeah, I would have to think so theoretically. I don't know, but yeah, the M- Memorial Cup was, was it in OHL? You said right. Uh, well, the the There's league the hasn't started at all, and yeah, were they not supposed to be the the host this year? Uh, I think so. And I think it was Sault Ste. Marie was one of the teams considered because I had heard somewhere that that might be a, um, a city that has low COVID numbers. Ah, I see. In Ontario. So I, I don't know, but it's, it, it's, it's something new. And I know I, I wouldn't, couldn't possibly commit to 40 games in, in personally and away from home and in a bubble. So I'm going to be doing uh, with Chris Wall, who's our, um, our host. Uh, we are going to do a pregame show from Vancouver. We're going to do in between periods from Vancouver, and we're going to do a postgame show from Vancouver. Now, Excellent. there's 24 games and seven, I think seven only con- conflict with uh, Vancouver Canuck games because we're on the same station. Right. Sports Sportsnet 650. So uh, we have a lot of games that will be actually on the radio, and and I don't know the delay thing. I don't know. Hey, I put a headset on, and that's about it. I, if it, 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 I don't know anything else, how anything else works. I, we had a, a kind of a Zoom meeting here the other day with about four or five, six of us, and I could just listen. I just tell me where you want me and, and where the headset is, and I can go. I can go from there. Right. But I don't understand how the streaming. Like apparently, when I can't, I can't do, I can't do color from Vancouver with Dan on the doing the the game in 
in uh, Kelowna or Kamloops yeah, because it would uh, be a big delay. The delay. Yeah. Okay, so I be- I believe you guys when you say that because I don't know. Well, if you if you pulled up WHL live in your booth while you're watching a game in person, there's it's like a minute difference. Yeah, there'd be Is a that huge right? delay. That's oh, that yeah. much, eh? Yeah. Bill, listen, I really appreciate your time as always. Great setup for uh, for this coming 24 game season, and uh, I'm just glad we get to watch some some hockey from all over the WHL. No, I, always a pleasure, Guy. Thanks, thanks for having me. And uh, uh, let me ask you one quick question. Sure. Thirty seconds. Uh, have you seen much of Bedard? Uh, Connor Bedard in Regina. Yeah. Well, just the highlights yeah. mostly, but you know, here and there that I've been able to watch, he's he looks like the real deal. Unbelievable. Eh? Yeah. I haven't seen him. I, I've seen like you. I've seen the highlights. I, I was told when he was playing uh, minor hockey out here that he was obviously very, very good. But the thing that stood out is his shot, they said. Yeah. This guy could fire yeah. the puck, and that's what I'm seeing on some of the highlights. Just too bad, eh? Too bad that the rest of the league doesn't, you know, doesn't see. Yeah, it is unfortunate. But you, you, like, talent like that. You know, there's a lot of questions why Matthew Savoy didn't get it last year, the exceptional status. And uh, you just look at the difference in the production already between the two players, and you kind of – have to give it to Hockey Canada. I guess they made the right call in, in not giving it to Savoy because he didn't have that unbelievable season that Connor Bedard is already having and uh, the guys that uh, have been exceptional players in the past in the OHL and the Q that, that they had. So, Well, thanks for having me, bud. Always a pleasure. Anytime, and uh, the answers might get shorter. <laughs> Sounds good, Bill. Take care. On, on my, I talked about my text. Yes. <laughs> I, I kept it as short as I could. All okay, right. uh, good stuff, and uh, always a pleasure. Thanks, and uh, like I said, you know, call me when you need me. That was uh, the always entertaining Bill Wilms, a color analyst with the Vancouver Giants, and um, that was a big day for him and his wife to get the vaccine, and I would hope that uh, everybody gets vaccinated when they are eligible to do so, so that we can uh, all put this uh, COVID business behind us and start living normally once again, including getting back into the rinks like teams are doing this weekend. Uh, excited for all the broadcasters involved and uh, for the players, obviously. Chatted briefly with uh, Regan Bartel uh, via text message yesterday, and I know all the broadcasters are looking forward to it, so uh, great for them. And finally, all 22 teams in the league will be active. Eight games on the schedule tonight, as a matter of fact, in the uh, the WHL. So uh, lots to look forward to if you're uh, able to watch those games online. Tonight we have Saskatoon against Regina. That game gets the underway here uh, in a matter of moments. Later on, Portland at home to the Everett Silvertips. Spokane welcomes Seattle. Edmonton hosting the Calgary Hitmen. Lethbridge is in Medicine Hat tonight. Big arch rivalry there. Winnipeg will play the Swift Current Broncos, and in the uh, BC division, two games. Kelowna at home to Victoria, and the Kamloops Blazers welcome those Vancouver Giants. So WHL action back in full force starting tonight. Up next year on the Pipeline Show, we turn on the 2021 Draft Spotlight. The player's name is Ayrton Martino. He is playing in the USHL with the Omaha Lancers. He was supposed to play somewhere else this year. I'll let him tell you that. As this Canadian, he's my guest next here on the Pipeline Show, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Smirnoff breaks across, turns it over to Allison. Here he comes, one-on-one. Allison, deep left, shoots, scores! He undressed a defender at the right slot. He went backhander, turned to the forehand, and wristed it under Wishow. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. She's the girl of my dream, she's the girl of my mind. She's the play me for a fool, cause she's the hunting kind. 
Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. It's the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we are going to turn on the 2021 Draft Spotlight uh, as we uh, chat with another player who is eligible for the upcoming 2021 NHL Draft, which uh, at least right now being held in July. Uh, for this week's segment, we're going to head down to the United States Hockey League. We're going to speak with a Canadian, though, and that's a story in itself as we uh, welcome to the program Ayrton Martino, uh, playing for the Omaha Lancers. Uh, Ayrton, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited. Well, I appreciate you making the time, and i got to be honest, in 16 years of doing this show, started back in 2006, you're the first Ayrton that has been on the Pipeline show. So this is not a common name that I've seen. Uh, That must be kind of cool to have a name that isn't, uh, you know, it's not a John or a Paul or a Tim or a Tom. Yeah, I mean, growing up, it wasn't very, very cool to have an outgoing name like Ayrton because all the supply teachers and all the teachers and friends can't really say it. (laughs) But uh, growing up now, uh, now it's pretty cool. I haven't really met anyone with my name, so, so it's pretty cool. What is the uh, the the origin of that name? Is it like uh, from Ireland or Scottish or something? No, it's um it's Brazilian. I'm pretty sure it's named after a famous race car driver, Ayrton Senna. Oh, of uh, course, Formula One. So my mom, uh, my mom's really big into Formula One race car driving. So she kind of kind of got the choice of my name, and then my dad got the choice of my brothers. All right, fantastic. What did he? What did your dad go with for your brothers? Uh Giacomo. It was a, a good horse uh, horse race. Uh, and that horse won actually no it's not a joke that horse won the race that's cool but you you've got bragging rights over your brother where you're named after a race car driver he's named after a horse come on yeah 100 percent. don't tell him i said that because i don't (laughs) think he even knows yet i don't think he's of the age to know 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 what that is yet (laughs) oh that's fantastic we're off to a great start uh and martino is that is that italian or what is the background yeah yeah, my dad, uh, both my parents are uh, Italian, and, and my grandparents are from Italy. So, All right, fantastic. Well, we're, this isn't Ancestry.com or anything. Let's get to the hockey. Um, you yeah. Know, for, for yourself, uh, playing at Omaha this year, uh, as we're speaking right now, 48 points in 29 games, obviously having a fantastic uh, time, uh, as, at least productive-wise, uh, with Omaha. I know you started the season late there. We'll get to that story in a bit, but... Um, your your time with the Lancers, how would you uh, describe it? I, I have to think you're pretty happy. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, billets, uh, my billets are great here. Uh, the team itself is uh, a really strong team. We got a lot of different parts uh, that all have to be connected for a team to succeed, which is kind of what we're focusing on now, heading into uh, the last final stretch of the season. Um, coaching staff has been great. Uh, lots of video, uh, lots of workouts, and a lot of ice. But uh, most importantly, we're getting to play games where as a lot of players aren't aren't allowed to play uh, full seasons or or games like I am, so just lucky and thankfully playing and uh, trying to make the most out of uh, every day at the rink. Well, the Lancers right now third place in the Western Conference. It's really tight though. Uh, Fargo on top, just two wins ahead of you. 
Uh, now Fargo and Tri-City, they're the two clubs ahead. They have a game or two in hand on you guys, so a little bit of work to do there. And you got Des Moines right behind you, so you, you're all looking over your shoulder a bit as well. But at this stage of the uh, the season, you just you can't afford to take a night off. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can't can't afford to take a night off, uh, no matter what what day it is during the season. But yeah, folks, mainly uh, mainly in this part of the season, I think trying to keep the foot on the gas and and not worry about what other teams do, but but focus on the Omaha Lancers, right? Because that's when that's when we're best and we're focusing on ourselves and and doing what we do best. And when when we're playing well and rolling, um, I feel like we can compete with uh, any team, and we've proven it with wins against Fargo. Have ha, uh, we've had a, a tough time against Tri City, but I like the matchup. I think uh, we're, we're starting to figure out figure out how to play against them, and and with our new, our team now, I think just trying to roll through uh, the last last ten games or, or eleven games of the season, and uh, just trying to trying to make the playoffs, and then and then go for a long run. Seventeen goals, forty eight points in twenty nine games. You're the team's leading scorer right now, and as we uh, kind of alluded to, you didn't start the season in the in the league at all. Uh, didn't join the team until what after Christmas. But um, how long does it take you to to kind of feel comfortable coming into a dressing room like that, uh, where you weren't there in training camp and at the start of the year, and you got to find what your role is on the team? Uh, it would be understandable if for a while you kind of felt like you didn't belong. How long did, until that feeling goes away? Yeah, I mean, obviously for the first couple of games, you're just trying to feel feel out uh, the league itself and and the pace of play, and then for the team and the dressing room, just kind of. First week, first two weeks, just kind of see where see where your spot is in the room. Um, you see guys uh, coming to new locker room. Actually, I saw guys that uh, you see some outspoken guys who uh, who are always laughing and enjoying their time in the rink, and then some more quiet quiet guys that just go about their business and uh, just kind of trying to blend with both of them and 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 have a, a good connection with a lot of new teammates and a lot of new players. Um, and then also help that one of my old teammates from Chilliwack came by. Uh, came to me, came with me. Sorry, uh, to Omaha. So, always had a guy over my shoulder that I kind of lean to and talk to uh, when when things kind of got awkward in the room or, or on the ice or in the bus. But yeah, the guy, the guys have been great, and and it's been a, it's been a really good spot and, and a very good uh, very good couple months and just a lot of fun. So you got the quiet guys in one corner and the the outgoing uh, louder guys in in the other corner. Which which do you gravitate more towards? What, what kind of a guy are you in the room? Um, I'm more of an outgoing guy. I think a lot of guys would kind of say it. I think I talk a bit too much sometimes in the room, but uh, all, all fun. Uh, and then when when time time to be serious, it's a, a flip of the switch, and I can be serious at, at any time. So just trying to keep the mood light and and do that as best I can. Keep the guys always happy and uh, and entertained in the room. All right. Well, we'll get to the story about how you ended up in Omaha in a second. Uh, as I'm speaking with Ayrton Martino, a forward with the Omaha Lancers. Uh, draft eligible this year and uh, what we like to do in this part of the show is let the audience kind of get to know a, a player who is in your shoes being draft eligible and these segments always uh, at, as the draft comes around casual NHL fans who don't watch junior hockey at all they they'll start downloading these episodes or these segments to try to figure out who's well, a little bit of information about the draft eligible guys so for the benefit of casual NHL fans who don't watch junior hockey let's get to know you a bit of, uh, and uh, start with the background uh, where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in uh, North York, uh, Toronto, Ontario, uh, just outside of the city. All right. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? Yeah, I started playing. I uh, like learned to skate or, or house league on Saturday mornings at, at uh, age five, around five years old. Okay. Have you always been a forward? Um, yeah, I've played forward most of my most of my life, but uh, sometimes D on the on the power play growing up. But forward, forward, 
uh, more, more so than defense. Did you ever get a chance to throw the pad zone along the way at some point? Yeah, actually, house league, uh, all the players, all the team had to switch it in and out of being goalie, so right. probably a couple of times, but not very good. I was going to ask how that went for you. Yeah, not very good. My dad always <laughs> told me to paddle down and, and just cover the five hole, but yeah, not not too good. Well, it seems like Ford's been working out pretty well for you. Uh, he played a couple of years at St. Mike's, and I know there's, you know, we were just chatting before we started uh, with the Italian last name Martino. A lot of uh, other Italians from Ontario have gone through St. Mike's and, and off to college, and we'll talk about your college choice as well. But uh, what is it about the St. Mike's buzzers and, and maybe the uh, the Italian background uh, for a lot of their former alumni? Yeah, I mean, St. Mike's is a great program in, in the Ontario League. Um a lot of history to that school and that program, and uh, it was a, a, a great two years and a lot of fun. Uh, you were drafted by the Guelph Storm. Uh, obviously, have chosen to to go the other route. Have you always known that you were going to be a college guy, or uh, when did the, when did the NCAA come into the picture for you? Um, I think after uh, my first time going to Guelph camp, uh, I kind of figured that I was probably going to be better at school. Just take uh, take a couple more years to to fully develop and. and and not rush any of my development. So I think the OHL is good for, for guys that have already developed a minor midget, but whereas uh, I was kind of a, a late bloomer, so I think college was the right route for me. It's interesting that you've been drafted twice by uh, USHL teams, and you don't play for either one of them. Uh, Madison drafted you in the first round back in 2019, and Des Moines just this past, uh, past draft in 2020 uh, in the eighth round. But after your St. Mike's uh, tour, you ended up in, in the USHL, but that wasn't the original plan th- this past summer, was it? No, actually, I was uh, I was planning on playing in Chilliwack, and I was there for, for three months in the BCHL. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't finish out the season just with the uncertainty of uh, whether there was going to be a season or not with the pandemic. So I got to go home for Christmas, spend some, th- spend some time with my family, and then um, at that point, I was uh, a free agent and was able to kind of sign with whatever uh, USHL team that wanted me, and Omaha was a great spot, great fit for me. Uh, we see uh, some WHL guys scattered around the USHL right now as well that were in the same boat that you were. What was the deadline, like January 10th? You kind of had to make that decision? Yeah, it was, I think it was January 10th, and then uh, they kind of pushed it back maybe a week, two weeks, just because the BCHL was still indecisive whether they're going to start or not. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was like January 11th or, or 10th. But it was, at that point, pretty much an easy decision. You, you just got to find a place to play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, once you kind of don't know the the league, if it's going to start or not, with, with everything, uh, the importance of this year, um, yeah, just trying to find a place place to play in a good spot for you, uh, uh, which is kind of what we thought of uh, over the Christmas break and, and kind of kind of figured out what to do uh, just after. Now, Clarkson uh, joining the Golden Knights is the plan for you, and I, I believe is that next year that you, you hope to uh, get to the program? Yeah, yeah, I hope to go in uh, this September. Um, great spot. I think it's a really good really good school and a really good spot for me. Okay, was there anything specific about the program itself, either hockey-wise or academics, that made that school the, the, the right fit? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, they, were, they were the first school to come up to me and approach me uh, after my minor midget year. So obviously they saw something that a lot a lot of people didn't see in me. So the loyalty factor there, um, obviously obviously it's a great program. It's normally a top ten program um, in uh, in college hockey, and mm-hmm. obviously it's close to home. It's about four hours, so my my dad and my parents uh, can kind of drive out there uh, on weekends for weekend games. Um, but yeah, the coaching staff, the facilities, uh, even the, even the players. I know some guys on the team uh, 
great players and great guys and, and really excited to get to get going next year. Would I be crazy to think Nick Campoli might be one of those guys? Yeah, Nick Campoli, Anthony Romano, uh, both Italians, and then uh, also Noah Beck, who came out of St. Mike's with me. Uh, okay. Uh, I just had Alex Campbell on the show last week, as a matter of fact, so uh, it's like we got a whole uh, couple of weeks here of uh, of Golden Knights on the, on the show. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about the draft itself, and uh, I know with so much turmoil and uncertainty in the over the past 12 months what's your thoughts been about the draft and has it changed since since you arrived in the ushl i mean at you know at the start of the year it was like man i gotta play i can't showcase what i can do it's my draft year and now that you're you are able to show everybody what you're doing and you're having a fantastic year has that changed for you i mean obviously the draft is something that every every player looks forward to and every kid dreams about but um as of right now i'm as hard as it is to say, I'm more focused on my, my play uh, with the Omaha Lancers and just trying to play every day and get better every day. Obviously, the draft uh, with so, such uncertainty, you don't know. I think they said July, but obviously that could change if mm-hmm. if uh, if they think it should. Um, but yeah, I think just trying to play and get better every single day and showcase what I can do on the ice uh, is kind of what I'm looking at. But obviously, the draft in the back of your mind, a bit of pressure, but at the end of the day, pressure is good. and and uh, and yeah, just trying to focus every day on getting better. And uh, when the draft comes, hopefully uh, I'm lucky enough to be selected by a team. And, and then uh, that's another step in the journey. Well, I know when I ask players about the various rankings that are out there, most will say they, they try not to think of it because it could be a distraction. But there are players I talk to who say they want to see where they're ranked because they use it as a motivator. Uh, sounds like for you, 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 you don't uh, uh, look at that stuff all that much? No, no, I, I try not to. I uh, I actually don't really look at any of those rankings or or whatnot, but I mean, guys, guys kind of know, and, and sure. got teammates might see them and, and let you know. But I mean, yeah, I can see uh, guys trying to use it as motivation, but at the end of the day, every player uh, in, in the same spot in the draft year can uh, show what they got, and those rankings don't mean anything until until the draft date, right? So just kind of keep getting better and keep uh, keep chipping away throughout your season. Well, Ayrton, the uh, the sheet I'm looking at lists you at five uh, ten and 170 pounds. How close to up to date is that? Yeah, I'm about five eleven, maybe maybe an inch. I'll, I'll give myself. Um, but yeah, about 170. Uh, trying to put on weight, but mid season it's kind of tough. So sure, big summer coming up. So uh, I want to get to around 180 uh, before college. You got lots of hair, so is that five? Is that where the five eleven comes in? Yeah, maybe, maybe the five line goes in the hair. <laughs> uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play with their own eyes, and, and I would be one of them, uh, how would you describe yourself as a player? Can you give us a, a self-scouting report? Yeah, I think I'm a fast uh, fast player. Uh, I love the offense. Um, I think I bring a good hockey IQ and good vision. Um, the ability to make my uh, my line mates better and, and, and uh, find those passing teams and, and have a good passing ability as well so when you say the first thing you said was fast and uh if you're named after Ayrton Senna then uh, I would have to think that would have to go hand in hand wouldn't it yeah I mean uh I think my skating actually has gotten better uh over the past couple of years uh maybe out of minor midget it wasn't very good uh something I've worked on over over the past three years but yeah I think even for the summer just trying to to get as much speed as I can for the first three steps and, and explosiveness throughout the summer is kind of what I'm going to be focusing on uh, into into college and quite honestly once you get to college and all the time in the weight room there and as just phys- normal physical maturity from your 17 18 and five years from now how much more just 
man strength they're going to have, that speed will even improve more. On the ice, uh, and, and maybe in terms of uh, hockey IQ or uh, your offensive or defensive game, are there, there areas of that side of the the thing that you're trying to, to focus on as well outside of just skating? Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, my shot, I think uh, I can get a harder shot, just quicker release uh, instead of always looking to pass. Hmm. Um, I think uh, also defensively, just trying to be in the right position with, the problem with the problem with that is new teams, for example, like my Omaha Lancer team, uh, we run a different de- defensive zone than, than I'll say like the Chilliwack team I played on. So just trying to learn the systems and trying to be in the right spot as best as you can in the defensive zone and always working from the from the defensive side of the puck, uh, just trying to be more responsible in the D, the, the, the D zone as well. Um, but also offensively, just trying to get inside the dots. We know now that the game's kind of played inside the inside the dots. So just trying to, get inside the dots as best as I can and, and try taking defenders wide and, and drop a shoulder and cut inside uh, and, and avoid playing perimeter as much. Nice. Uh, I see your left-handed shot now uh, on the USHL's uh, page. It only lists you as a forward. Uh, elsewhere, I've seen it. you listed as a left winger. Uh, where do you line up? Yeah, I line up left wing. I mean, I think I can play both my offside uh, on the right side or, or the left, but uh, preferably I play the left side. Well, uh, Ayrton, I really appreciate the conversation. I, I'm glad I was able to track you down. Uh, I enjoyed this a lot. I certainly wish you and the Lancers uh, the best of luck here down the stretch and into the playoffs, and we'll be uh, watching and see what happens for you on draft day. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I had a great time. That is uh, Ayrton Martino uh, from the Omaha Lancers. I really enjoyed that conversation. A very well-spoken young man and uh, laughed at all my lame jokes and everything in between. This is a guy who wasn't on my radar, really, at the start of the season. Definitely is now. He is ripping it up in the USHL since uh, moving down south. The various uh, rankings out there, you can go to Elite Prospects and click on their draft center, and you can see or just click on a player's profile, and it'll tell you where everybody has him ranked. Right now, FC Hockey has him 86th. Recruit Scouting has him 53rd. Dauber, the only one that has him inside the first round, last pick of the first round, at, at 32. Draft Prospects Hockey has him at 48, and, and Smot Scouting has him at 34. So there's a pretty good uh, varying degree of how much people like him. Looks like a solid second round, maybe third round a type of talent, but if he keeps going like he is and uh, carries that over into the playoffs, man, this is a guy who could jump up into that first round. Not the biggest guy in the world, but size we're learning doesn't uh, matter as much as it used to if you've got the skill and uh, he obviously does. And if he's got Ayrton Senna speed, then uh, this is a guy I'm going to be really intrigued to see where he goes on draft day. Ayrton Martino from the Omaha Lancers. Up next, a lengthy segment as we preview the NCAA National Tournament with Chris Peters, longtime contributor to the Pipeline Show. He is up next, and we go in-depth. Get ready, get a cup of coffee, settle in as we preview the NCAA National Tournament next here on the Pipeline Show, fueled by Alberta's best beef jerky, that's Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, this is Scott Stanley, coach of the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, and this is the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent. 
development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Dylan Larkin. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Kevin Shattenkirk. James Van Riemsdyk were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. It's the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. We'll end this week's episode uh, probably with the, the biggest story of the week is the NCAA tournament, which gets going this weekend uh, in a, the four regionals. Then, of course, leads up to the Frozen Four a couple of weeks later. Already some big news. Good thing we pushed this interview right to the very end. Uh, my guest, uh, Chris Peters. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing well, Guy. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure as always. Well, it's, it, it is great that uh, we're doing this as we're speaking right now. It's Thursday, uh, just about lunch yeah. with the big news of the morning that uh, Notre Dame out of the tournament because of COVID protocols. And I guess when you have 16 teams, it's, it's probably it was a safe bet that at least one, there'd be one hiccup along the way, at least if not more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so far, that's the only one that we know of. They were supposed to play on Saturday. And so therefore, you know, we're hoping that all the other tests came back fine the day before because they were the other teams that are playing on Friday were tested the day before. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has kind of been the story of the season, right? You know, it's, it, it's, it's everywhere. Um, you know, really the crazy thing is, is that, you know, based on the information I have, Notre Dame was the last team to make the tournament. Um, and there's been, I've actually had some recent pushback on that, but as far as I've been told, the committee's last team in was Notre Dame. The reason that Notre Dame was in was because St. Lawrence uh, had a positive case. Their their head coach, Brent Brecky, uh, announced that he had tested positive for COVID and the team had to pull out due to New York's um, quarantine protocol for the entire team. So, so yeah, so Notre Dame gets in uh, as, as it sounds like the last team in and we're, we'll, and now they're the first team out. And so it's really unfortunate for them. Obviously, uh, we don't know how many positives there were. We don't know what the situations were uh, with that. You know, the details are, are, are scant. But the end result is that Boston College, the number two overall seed in the tournament, is now going to have a bye into the regional final. And then we'll play the winner of the St. Cloud State Boston University uh, regional uh, game. So it's, you know, it, it has has pretty wide ranging effects. Obviously, we hope that, you know, this is the end of the positive test, but you can never be certain, right? So, yeah, hopefully hopefully there's no more because there's only 16 teams. And, uh, you know, as, I guess as long as we have four at the end, it's okay. But, you know, right. still, it, 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 it's, really, um, it, it's really unfortunate for Notre Dame, which, which is a team that I thought, based on the way that they've been playing, could have very well been, uh, you know, capable of pulling an upset against Boston College this year. Hmm. That would have been interesting for sure. Uh, we should also remember that St. Lawrence uh, isn't in the tournament, even though they're conference champs uh, because of COVID situation there as well. With the head coach, how you know, I can't even—I feel so awful for everyone at the program. But man, the coach to uh, to announce it that, that that it was all on him as well—that's that's got to be tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, really, who's you know, it's it's no one's fault, right? You know, there's we've been dealing with this all year, and it's just. It's unfortunate the way that it goes down. I mean, you know, the other thing that's really tough is all these players have, have really, 
you know, taken these, these protocols into, into heart. And, and we've had some teams that had to, you know, drop out this season, but a lot of these guys, you know, they're making a lot of sacrifices. They're not going out. They're not going to the bars like all the other kids and in college, they're not going to parties. They're, you know, at least we, we expect that they're not <laughs> there. You know, most of them have tried to keep it pretty tight and that's what has to be done if you want to play hockey and you, know, you get to this time of the year. But even if you take all the precautions, there's always that outside chance. It's just the nature of the of the virus and, and what we've been dealing with for the better part of a year now. Yeah, everyone's been pretty good here as of late, except Clarkson. <laughs> they kind of shot themselves <laughs> in the foot a couple of weeks ago. But let's get yeah. to the tournament. Uh, might as well start with that regional uh, since uh, we've already got one one team that's already decided to move on, that obviously being Boston College. Well, let's start with the, the Eagles first off. Um, who, who on the team stands out as uh, as players to watch? Uh, from Boston College. Jeez, who doesn't on that team? I mean, they have a they have a real star laden team, you know, Boston College, and it, I think it starts with Spencer Knight, goaltender, Florida Panthers draft pick, uh, you know, gold medalist for Team USA at the World Juniors this year. Um, he had a really bad game against UMass Lowell in the Hockey East quarter or semifinal that you know essentially cost him and the Eagles an opportunity to win the Hockey East championship this year, and. Um, you know, it was probably the worst period of hockey that Spencer Knight has played. The, you know, the Eagles were up 4-1, then it was 4-4, then 5-4, then 5-5, then they lost 6-5 in overtime. It was a crazy game. And the thing about Spencer Knight, though, is that his response after after games like that uh, is is pretty is pretty incredible. Um, so you know, he he did it at the World Juniors. He's done it other times. He's just he responds well to that. So. So he's a big one. And then, you know, you look up front, they have two big guns in Matt Boldy. They have more than two, but the, the biggest guns are, are Matt Boldy, uh, who's, you know, all the Baker finalists this year, and Alex Newhook, who I'm sure if he had a full season under his belt would have been in the mix for the Hobie Baker as well. I mean, Spencer Knight's up for the Hobie as well. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, that, that, you know, Alex Newhook, he, he's one of the best centers in the game right now. He's one of the best NHL prospects playing college hockey at the moment. Um, and then Matt Boldy has had a complete breakout season. You know, he really broke out in the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he had a tremendous World Juniors and has just continued on and, and really has reestablished himself after a slow start to his college career last year as an elite prospect. And, and it's been great to see because I think he's such a phenomenal player. But, you know, you just go down the list. And, you know, Nikita Nestorenko, uh, Minnesota Wild draft pick, you know, Colby Ambrosio. I mean, basically Minnesota Wild. If you're a Minnesota Wild or Colorado Avalanche fan, you're probably a Boston College fan because they have so many prospects uh, for both of those teams on the roster. And and defensively, I think the guy to watch is Drew Hellison. He's had a phenomenal year. He played for USA at the World Juniors. Great two-way defenseman. He's really picked up his offensive game this year, and he's physical. He's, a, he's just a strong defender. He's, he's really rounding things out, and he's looking more and more like a quality NHL defenseman uh, developing there at Boston College. 13 drafted players uh, on the roster for Boston College, so definitely a deep <laughs> team for sure. I, I would have picked them to beat uh, Notre Dame. I think most people would have, but as you said, the Irish. I would have too, yeah. Yeah, the Irish yeah. are capable of pulling off the upset, and that's one thing about the tournament. When you have a one-and-done, uh, one single-game elimination, anything can happen. We see it every year. Yeah. Uh, that's why you know, uh, has there ever been a tournament where it was the four number one seeds in each regional that advanced? Probably not. I think it's ha- I, I I maybe yeah. I mean I can't think of it off the top of my head. I mean it is it is it is interesting. You know, we, and we've we've seen six teams beat one. Yep. You know, it's 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 happened. So it's it's really uh, it's a really wild event. And I think having just sixteen teams really enhances the intensity and the possibility for chaos. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, we've seen plenty of four seeds make it to the Frozen Four uh, over the years, and it's uh, it, it is it, it does keep things interesting, that's for sure. Well, and one of those teams that has been a victim of the the number sixteen team is Saint Cloud State. I think it happened to them a couple yeah. of times in a row, not that yeah, long. Yeah, two ago. years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, they're taking on uh, Boston University uh, on paper. This this seems like it could be a pretty good game. Um, but uh, I think I would lean towards St. Cloud, and that might just be because BU hasn't played all that much this year, so I might be skewed a little bit that way, but size up this matchup for us, Chris. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's one of the best best first-round matchups of the whole thing. I think they're two very evenly matched teams. I think St. Cloud State has had just a really uh, a battle-tested season. You know, they play the in, in the NCHC, and I think they have something like seven wins over teams that are currently in the tournament. So that's a pretty that's a pretty good record, I you know, and I, I they they have balance, they have depth, they have a lot of veterans, they have guys that have experienced that heartbreak that you mentioned, you know, two years ago losing to AIC as the number one overall seed, and it's just kind of been the story for St. Cloud State in the tournament. Uh, but then on the other side with Boston University, you have a really dynamic team, and as you mentioned, they've only played 15 games this season, but you know, it, it, so it's been hard to get a read on them. And yeah. they were a team where I was like, you know, if they didn't get they, they swept UMass and they beat Boston College, say those games aren't on their schedule, I don't know how they make a case to be in the tournament. So, you know, those are important games that they won that, that allowed them to get in despite the, the you know the, the light schedule. They lost to UMass Lowell in the quarterfinals of Hockey East, so they're kind of limping in a little bit here um, into the tournament. But then you look at David Ference, who's you know, their top defenseman, a Hobie Baker candidate, despite the fact that he only played 10 games this year. You know, through his, I think it was through his first, you know, four or five games, you know, he had double-digit points already. And it was just, it was insane to kind of see the amount of production that he has. He's a brilliant skater, moves the puck extraordinarily well. He can take over a game for you. And, that, you know, I think that that's one of the differences between the two teams. Like, I think Vidi Mietman, who's the freshman and a, and a Maple Leafs draft pick for St. Cloud State, is a really good player. I don't necessarily know that in a game against Boston University, he's going to be the kind of player that can take the game over. Whereas I think David Ferentz could be that guy. Right. Um, but you know, it, and then it just kind of comes down to goaltending. You've got a senior in one net and a freshman in the other. Drew Comesso for Boston University and David Rennick for uh, for uh, St. Cloud State. And Rennick has not had a phenomenal season. He's kind of had an up and down collegiate career. He's you know LA Kings draft pick. I, I think he's a really good goalie. You know, on his best day. But, you know, the way Drew Camesso has played in limited action this year, I'd give the edge to BU in the goaltending department. That's why I, I have a slight lean to BU in this matchup, very slight, because I think St. Cloud State is the better team top to bottom. Uh, but, you know, I think that there's a dynamic element with Boston University that could really break the game open. All right, you won me over. I'm taking BU to win that one as well, uh, <laughs> I, I, largely because the Flyer fan in me is uh, cheered for Jay O'Brien. Uh, just, uh, I, I thought, you know, after he left Providence, after a terrible year with the Friars, he goes to the BCHL, mm-hmm. seems to get his game back on track, comes back this year, and it seemed to have worked for him. And I know he's got a really talented a group of players around him. There's 13 drafted players on on BU's team as well, but it seems like he may have got his career back on track. So as the the Flyer fan, he's happy for him. Yeah, he is. You know, point per game player this year, and and BU's leading scorer. So yeah, and that's that's great development for the Flyers. I think it was good that he reset too. I mean, like you know that that he just wasn't quite ready, and he couldn't play the style that Providence really thrives on either. Um, so I think that you know he's he's in a he's in a better situation for his skill set. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see. He's he's another guy that has to have a big game, I think, if BU's going to beat 
uh, St. Cloud because, you know, the Huskies are a really talented team. Now, if, if it goes the way you and I both think and, and BU, we're both picking BU and BC, obviously, uh, you get two rivals like that, and I think you can throw records and, and all of that out the window when you have two rivals, especially in a single-game elimination. So if it is BC and BU, who do you like moving on? I, I like BC. It comes down to goaltending for me, and I think Spencer Knight is, is one of the great bounce-back goalies um in in just the way that he responds to to tough games and and so you know i think at, at that point boston college just has they're a little bit more of a complete team as well it's not just down to the the goaltending advantage that i believe that they have but you know i i think getting the other the other thing that it's a huge advantage to to have notre dame not in there and have a bye mm-hmm. and now you're you know cuz now all of a sudden you got Drew Camesso on a back to back and and most college goalies are used to that. That's how it normally is. It's but it's still it's you know you're if it's say that game goes to overtime or anything like that you know you you're starting to worry about having a fresh team against the team that's you know a battle and and we know that that St. Cloud State game is going to be a battle regardless of if BU wins or or not. So um, yeah, so I think I'll, I'll stick with the with the Eagles advancing and a, and a bit of a chalk pick there. But I, I mean I just think that. As bad as they played in their last game, or at least really for the last period of their last game, um, when they ha- when they are on, they are really difficult to slow down. Just to play devil's advocate, could it be that because this is a neutral site game for all four of these teams, um, the two teams who play on Friday, the winner will have uh, one, or the two teams that play, St. Cloud and BU, whoever wins that game is going to have one game of experience in that building. Is that at all an advantage over BC? Um, I... Maybe, but probably I don't think so. I, I think you know, aside, you know, there's not, uh, there's no crowd in Albany, right? Um, so that's, you know, that's also, I think, I'm pretty sure, uh, there's no crowd in Albany. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I think it just kind of, it, it, I, I don't think it'll play too much of an advantage. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly every little thing can matter in this. You never really know until you see it. So uh, I suppose it could, but I don't think it'd be too big of an advantage to uh, have Boston University, uh, you know, overtake. BC because of it. All right, uh, let's go to the uh, the the bracket that uh, would collide with uh, what we think will be BC to get to the Frozen Four. Uh, that'll see Minnesota and Omaha in the first game, as well as Minnesota State and Quinnipiac, the the Golden Gophers, Big Ten champs this year. And uh, Omaha had a pretty strong season in in a difficult uh, conference, but the Big Ten was really tough this year as well. Uh, size up the Golden Gophers and the Mavericks. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that there's a I think there's definitely a talent gap between the two teams um, as good as Omaha has been this season. And I have a lot of respect for, for their program and what they've done this year. Um, but, but really I think that Minnesota has depth at every position and the biggest area that they've really, as, as a, as a program have desperately needed is to have an elite goaltender. And you look at what Jack LaFontaine has done this year uh, and, you know, he's got the highest save percentage of any regular starting goaltender, really good chance to win the Mike Richter award. He's in the mix for the Hobie Baker as well. Could very well could be a finalist for that award. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard for me to see, you know, the Gophers, you know, on top of having that, they have really good defensemen and Jackson Lacombe and Ryan Johnson, Brock Faber, Mike Kester. I mean, they've, they are really a good, a good team defensively. They're, they're highly mobile. You look up front and they've got a bunch of veterans. You got Sammy Walker and Scott Reedy. And these are guys that have played, you know, three, four years in the program. And then there's Blake McLaughlin who had a great big 10 tournament. 
Um, Sample Ranta, who had an incredible Big Ten tournament, really an incredible season. All yeah. you know, the, he's, he's incredibly fast. He's he's really developed into a true power forward, um, as true a power forward as you can find in college hockey. When he lowers his shoulders, it's really hard to get in front of him. Um, and he's scored a ton of big goals this year for the Gophers. So I think that that's kind of the gap. But I mean, you know, you look at the other side and, and there's plenty of talent there. I think Tyler Weiss has been an unbelievable player this season for Omaha. You know, he's a smaller guy, but incredibly dynamic and skilled. Um, you know, another Colorado Avalanche draft pick. I mean, the Avs have something like, you know, like almost a dozen prospects in this tournament. Um, and, and he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. Chase Primo's, you know, Keith Primo's son. He's got the big size. He's, He's, he's been the offensive leader for that team. Both of those guys are the top two scorers for that club. And then I think they do have a really talented goaltender in Isaiah Seville, who's a, a Vegas Golden Knights draft pick. His numbers aren't super inspiring, but when you watch him play, you can see why he was a, a drafted prospect and an NHL prospect because he, he, he is a, he, he's a big game goalie. He's, he's come up big. He's been in some big situations in the USHL and also in, um, in, in uh, World Junior A Challenge and things like that, you know, so he's got that experience that not every college goaltender gets uh, before they arrive. And so uh, I think ha- having a guy like that that's got some championship pedigree to him uh, helps you when you're when you in the net. And then defensively, they've got a lot of different players. They have Johnny Taconic, who you know transferred from North Dakota, and, and they have Brandon Scanlon, who's a, a top free agent. If he's not going to be signed this year, I think that he'll he'll be a sought after guy next year. As a as an undrafted free agent, big big defenseman with some good mobility uh, and some raw potential. So, I think that uh, you know basically Omaha's got the talent to compete. I think they you know they earned their way here with a strong record in the NCHC. But looking at the depth of Minnesota, that's where the advantage comes out, yeah. and I think that that's where where there's separation and significantly so. I agree. I have the Gophers winning that game as well. And uh, Jack LaFontaine, you mentioned all the hardware he got. He's also uh, on the Pipeline yeah. Show's All-Canadian list uh, this year. So uh, he's got that. Oh, on, very yeah, nice. I'm sure that'll pop up on his, uh, on his resume at some point uh, as well. But, yeah, I, I like the Golden Gophers um, yep. uh, to advance. Uh, they'll, they'll play <laughs> either Minnesota State or Quinnipiac. This could be a really good first-round game too. Yeah, I think, you know, if I were to – to rank the, all the first round matchups. I think this one's probably number two or number three for me, just because I think I like both teams so much. I have so much respect for both coaches and the way that they get their teams to play. You know, I think Rand Pecknold has gotten so much out of Quinnipiac. I mean, they, you know, he's built that program essentially, you know, on his own over the years and has gotten it to a status where we expect to see them in the tournament now. We expect to see them at this stage. And this year, you know, they have Keith Petrozelli, who's playing at a career high level in goal, in goal, Detroit Red Wings prospect. There was a time, you know, where I was wondering what his, his prospects for the pros looked like just because, you know, he wasn't getting the playing time and, you know, he wasn't earning the playing time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a guy that was kind of in the world junior mix at one point and it, and he's really found his game and that's been hugely important. And then offensively, you always expect Quinnipiac to have some big guns up front, and, and they're not necessarily big in size like Odin Custo, who is not not a big guy. But every year, you know, he's the highest scoring player in college hockey over the last four seasons. Um, he he's basically guaranteed for nearly forty points a year, which is pretty much you know if you if you can hit that in college hockey on a regular basis, you're a pretty darn good player, mm-hmm. high end playmaker, Hobie Baker candidate, the whole nine. Um, and then, you know, you've got some other guys like Tyson Milanic, Florida Panthers draft pick, really strong. You know, he's a goal scorer. He, they use him in the high slot a lot. 
in, on the power play, and he's got a great shot from there. Um, you know, so he's he's been really good. They just got Wyatt Bongiovanni back. He's not a drafted prospect, but an interesting one nonetheless. And in his first game back after, I, I think he was out for 20 games um, with an injury, he came back and immediately scored in the ECAC championship game, which they ultimately lost to St. Lawrence, which showed some cracks in the armor. But there were also some cracks in the armor of Minnesota State. And, right. you know, we're talking about another program that does more with less. And, you know, that's they, – they, got smoked by Northern Michigan in the WCHA semifinals. And, you know, this is a team that is not used to getting blown out. They're used to blowing other teams out. And it just, it, it did not click for them. They, you know, Dryden McKay did not have a good game. Um, and he's, you know, he's been one of the best goaltenders in the country. But now he is a guy that essentially, you know, he, he has not lost consecutive games this year. He usually responds with, you know, uh, when he gives up a lot of goals, I think there were only three occasions where he gave up four or more goals this season, and each time after he followed it up with a performance where he gave up um, one or fewer goals in, the, in that next performance. So, you know, he's a guy that can steal a game for you. They have guys like Nathan Smith, who's a Jets draft pick, who's got some high-end skill, you know, really good defenseman led by freshman Akito Hiroshi, who has really come on strong this year and is getting a lot of notoriety as a potential free agent, if not this year, in the near future. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, 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 they always play so structured, so disciplined, and they're really consistent. And I think, you know, they've kind of stumbled down the stretch this season after being so dominant early in the year. But I think that only enhances their, you know, the urgency that they have. And, and Minnesota State's never won in the national tournament. Um, and so they kind of, they need to get that monkey off their back. And I mean, it's going to be really difficult to do that against Quinnipiac. I think it's a really evenly matched up game in terms of, you know, the quality of players that'll be playing, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, so, some team's going to have to break that streak eventually. A couple of all Canadians in this game. Uh, Aikido Hirose was on the all Canadian freshman uh, team and, uh, Peter Deliberatori, a uh, defenseman uh, yeah. with uh, the Bobcats. Yeah. Great season. Yeah. Great season for him. I, I'm going to take Quinnipiac in this one. Uh, what about you? That is, I am going that way as well. They've, they've been my dark horse since the beginning of the season, even before the season started when we didn't know if the ECAC was going to have a season, you know, I, this is a team that I pegged as, as one that could be a threat to, to anybody. It's just a matter of playing the right, you know, getting hot at the right time. And I think that Quinnipiac has that potential to, to, to put a scare into a lot of teams here. The only thing I don't like about them is the name because I, I can never pronounce it correctly. Everybody <laughs> I talk to says it differently. I've heard Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac. Like it's all one syllable, Quinnipiac. Uh, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think I got it. Okay. <laughs> Quinnipiac. I'll go with that Quinnipiac. too. Then. I'll try. Uh, okay. So if it works out that way and it's the Golden Gophers and the Bobcats, um, I, I think I would have to lean to the Gophers though, because that, that team is so stacked, but uh, that could be a really good right. game too. It could be. I think, you know, it would, it would all be dependent on the Bobcats finding a way to gum up the neutral zone and not allowing Minnesota, Minnesota to get their transition game going, because I think I've seen them burn so many teams in transition this year they have so much speed and they, they're, you know, their defensemen move the puck so well. You know, you look at Brock Faber, he does not have big offensive numbers, but he's an elite distributor in transition. I mean, he makes so many great plays and he makes so many great plays with his feet. And you got guys like Ryan Johnson, another guy, not big offensive guy, but he can move the puck fine. You know, and, and then there are guys that are offensive like Mike Kester and, and Jackson Lacombe who just get the puck up ice. So if those guys get rolling, and, you know, they're, they're possessing the puck at a, at a level that really doesn't allow Quinnipiac to get into the game. It's going to be so hard for them to, to ever even, you know, really get a sniff in this one. So 
I think there's a, a significant enough advantage that I'm I'm not afraid of the chalk pick here and going with the Gophers. Okay, the Badgers and uh, Bemidji State. Uh, I think this is kind of a lopsided battle, in my opinion. But correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I have the Badgers winning this one probably by three goals. Um, that that team is just—they seem to be able to score at will defensively. I suppose there's uh, some question, but does Bemidji have a chance in this? You know, I, I guess they they do. I mean, I think they have a chance. They, they were the team that I was most surprised that got into the at large. Um. And it sounded like they were kind of in all along. Um, so I guess that's the one team where I think Notre Dame's saying, saying, are you sure that we're the last ones in? Because uh, I'm pretty sure it could have been them. And it, and it could have been because the WCHA typically is not going to get three teams into the tournament. And I don't think in a normal season with the pairwise um, and the, excuse me, and the conference schedule being what it is that they would have gotten in. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, Dylan Holloway, Cole Caulfield, Linus Weisbach, uh, Weisbach, they're, they are all, you know, they're, they're just impossible to slow down. And I don't think, I don't think there's any team that's done it successfully this year. Even in games where the Badgers lost, those guys had an impact. I mean, Cole Caulfield, I think he's only had four games where he hasn't had a goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, not a goal, but a point. And so, you know, I mean, th- these are guys that are really doing some, some impressive stuff. With, uh, with the puck and, you know, for the, for the bat, for, for the Beavers and Bemidji State, they have a really good goalie in Zach Driscoll. It's just a matter of, you know, I don't think you've seen anybody in the WCJ that can play like these guys can. So, um, and, and really the big difference for the Badgers this season too is that they have had the goaltending getting Cameron Rowe and Robbie Badoon, um, who are both new to the team this year. Rowe is a freshman and Badoon is a transfer. And so they, that's, they've overhauled their goaltending and that's made all the difference in the world for them. And I think that's, that's really where they can create separation with Bemidji State. They have the offense, but then they have the goalies that can stop any attack. Uh, Chris, let's go to the other side of the, uh, that regional uh, and, uh, the UMass Minutemen, uh, finished so strong this year, uh, going up against Lake Superior, who also finished strong. Both of these teams kind of riding that Cinderella wave to some degree. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, UMass has been a team that I've, I've loved all season long. I think that they, they're so well coached. You know, Greg Carbo's done such a phenomenal job, uh, building that program. And, you know, it, they don't have Kale McCarr, but they have so many guys that step up when you need them to. And that's guys like Bobby Trevino and, um, you know, uh, Mark Delgaizo and Zach Jones and Matt Kessel. Like, I mean, they have so many good players. And then really, you know, I think that this tournament is always a story of goaltending, and Philip Lindbergh has been as good as anybody. Uh, you know, he's played 12 games this season, and he's a 940 save percentage. And, he, you know, he's a Minnesota Wild draft pick. Wild also have quite a few prospects in this tournament. And I think that he can really be the difference in the tournament. I mean, I think UMass has as good a chance as any team to win the national title this year. And that's without Mario Ferraro and John Leonard and Kale McCarr. It just – but so many of those guys were there at the same time, you know, like like Trevino and like Delgado and, and, and players like that and Colin Felix. And they just have so many players on their roster that had that experience. And now they have a chance to do something. They've already done one thing that no UMass team has ever done by winning Hockey East. And now they have a chance to get to a second ever Frozen Four and maybe even win the whole thing this year. Do you know what happened with their goaltending in uh, for UMass this year? Because Matt Murray was the guy until like January, and he hasn't played in, since, since January 18th. 
And Lindbergh had only played two games up to that point, and now he's obviously the the guy. But is was there an injury to Murray because he had he was the starter until January 18th? Right. Yeah, you know, it, it's always it's actually been hard to gauge their goaltending for a while because they've they've gotten great performances out of both of them. I don't know. I I don't know if like Murray got Wally pipped or what because I, I I haven't investigated that fully enough to have a, a good answer for you. But I mean, since Lindbergh's been in there. Yeah, he was he was he shut out UMass Lowell. They had to win the, the the championship game one to nothing, and he was phenomenal in that game. So, you know, I think that he's just kind of proven that he's the guy that that they need at this time of year, and and he's done it before. So, yeah, but I mean, that's that's kind of where they're at. Is uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. You know, it, it's always nice to have two guys that you can trust in those situations. I think that they have all the faith in the world, Matt Murray, but it's just Philip Lindbergh just played so much better than anybody in the country really over the last few weeks here it's just a weird breakdown where i mean murray's played 13 games Lindbergh's played 12 but it's like murray played 13 of the first 16 games of the season and Lindbergh's done it down the stretch it's it's just a weird breakdown uh instead you know most platoon systems it's like well one guy plays friday one guy plays saturday that's definitely not the case With uh, with UMass, uh, we didn't really talk about Lake Superior. Do they have uh, enough yeah. to, to uh, make a case for themselves here? They do, they do. You know, I actually went back and watched their their run in the WCHA tournament just because I, I felt, you know, I hadn't gotten enough views of them this year, and and I went back and watched, and I was so impressed with the way that they moved the puck, the speed of their defensemen, you know, the the mobility of 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 their, their of their blue line is huge, and then they also have really good size. And they're an older team too, so that helps. Uh, they've they've gotten some some great uh, some some great performances out of you know a- Ashton Carter is their leading scorer. He's a local product. He's from Sault Ste. Marie in Michigan. That's uh, yeah. so he's you know he's kind of grown up with this program. And I mean Lake State used to be one of the premier programs in college hockey. I mean, they have Brian Ralston went there. Doug Waite went there. Jeff Jackson was their head coach. He's now at Notre Dame and you know coached in the NHL for a bit as well. Um, you know, they, they won national titles and they haven't been back to the tournament since 1996. So they really haven't had much success since Jeff Jackson was, you know, gone essentially. And, uh, and, you know, they had, or Frank Anzalone, who also was there and won a national title there. You know, they even tried to bring him back at one point and it didn't really work out. So, you know, it's been, it's been a struggle for that program, but, you know, the WCHA at the tournament level, when you get to that stage of the season, it's a really difficult tournament to win. And it was in Mankato. You know, they, they didn't have to play the Mavericks, but it, you know, they, they really, they did play Bemidji and beat them. And so it, I'm really impressed with, with what they've built. I think that they, you know, they, they earned their way here fair and square. They absolutely belong. I think it's a little too much of a too tall a hill to climb to beat UMass just because I think, um, the Minutemen have been among the best teams all season long and really are playing some of their best hockey right now. All right, so if we've got both the Badgers and, and UMass uh, meeting for a one game to get to the Frozen Four, um, I've got Wisconsin winning that game. Did, did it sound to me like you might have uh, been picking UMass? I am. Yeah, I'm sticking. I'm going with the Minutemen, and I think, you know, I've, I've watched Wisconsin a ton this season. I've seen some of their best games and some of their worst games, and, you know, I, I think that if there is a team out there that can, you know, defend adequately enough against the big guns, of Wisconsin, you know, I think UMass has that potential. They have so many guys that, you know, senior guys, players that have been there for, 
for four years and have played against really high, high-end offensive players at Boston College and Boston University and, and Providence and shut them down in, in years past. So I think that, you know, basically it's going to come down to, you know, Lindbergh having a big game. I think he can. And, and UMass getting, the, you know, matching firepower with firepower, which I think they can uh, against Wisconsin. I think the depth actually favors, as, for, as you go further down the lineup, I think the depth favors UMass more than it does Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's pretty top-heavy, even though they have Cole Caulfield and Dylan Holloway on separate lines, which helps, you know, spread out the offense a little bit. Um, and I do like the depth players for Wisconsin, but I, ju- I just think that based on the way that they've been playing down the stretch here, I'm going to stick with UMass and, and, and kind of eliminate the chalk situation that I see forming here. Um, and as, as much as I like the Badgers, you know, UMass very much, very easily could have been that number four seed instead of Wisconsin. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's not a lot separating those two teams. Excellent. Well, it should be a great second-round game. Uh, let's go to the final regional. Uh, that will be in Fargo and uh, North Dakota, obviously the the closest thing to a host team there. Uh, they will be playing the number – what seed is AIC? American International. They're 16. Not, th- yep. They get in as the 16 seed? Yeah, which I was surprised by. I was surprised by that. They're better than yeah. Bemidji. They're they're better than Notre Dame. So this this uh, on paper the number one against the number sixteen, but uh, I think it's a closer game than that. I do like the uh, the I almost said the Fighting Sioux, the Fighting Hawks uh, to move on though. Yeah. Uh, in that one. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I just think that you know North Dakota just has this feel of kind of like a team of destiny. <laughs> um, you know, they got everybody to come back last year. You know, Jordan Kalagrichi, Matt Kirstead could have gone for free agent deals and had a lot of different teams that were after their services. And they still will have those teams after them now. But, you know, they could have started their pro careers a year earlier. And then, you know, you look at guys like Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker that came back. And then you add freshmen like Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin. And, and a guy who hasn't, you know, wasn't drafted and wasn't as heralded, but is, you know, he's the most outstanding player of the NCHC frozen faceoff. Reese Gaber, who was, you know, an outstanding player for the Dubuque Fighting Saints in USHL, he's been an impact freshman for them up front. So, you know, the the depth of, of North Dakota, the deepest team in the country, best decor in the country, you know, one of the better goaltenders in the country in Adam Scheele, I've I've got to go. I, I mean, as, as much as I appreciate and respect what Eric Lang has built at AIC, and that's another place where I think they've had three, four different goalies start a game for them so far this year. Um, I think that there's just too much to overcome, not the least of which is the fact they'll be in Fargo, fans are allowed in the building, and as we saw at the Frozen Faceoff, which was in Grand Forks, the, the, the Fighting Hawks can definitely feed off a crowd, and those crowds get pretty darn loud regardless of how few few people there are in the building. So uh, I think it'll be a little too much to overcome for the Yellow Jackets there. Uh, I agree. I have uh, the Fighting Hawks moving on as well. And that leaves us with the, what I think is probably the best first-round game, uh, the Michigan Wolverines and the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, two-time defending champ Bulldogs, although, you know, last year it's, is a, a wash. There's still some returning players from that run. Mm-hmm. It's freshmen against uh, the experience of of the Bulldogs. I don't know how to – this is a coin flip for me. How about for you? It is for me as well, and I, I think there – to me, there is not a more skilled team in the country than Michigan. I mean, just they have so many players that are so dynamic. Ken Johnson, Thomas Bordalo, Brendan Brisson, Cam York, Matty Beniers. I mean, the, you know, the list goes on and on and on of the players that, you know, can beat you with skill. But then you look at the way that Minnesota Duluth plays, and they, 
they feast on teams like that very often. Um, what they don't have this year that I – it's still very good, but they don't have Scott Perunovich, Mikey Anderson, Dylan Sandberg. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're talking about the elite decor of college hockey over the last three years. And but they have replaced those guys with with Wyatt Kaiser, you know, not he, he, not he doesn't replace all of them, but he's been an outstanding freshman. Came from Andover High School, played a little bit in USHL last year, but was primarily a high school player. And he has been phenomenal. Plays in high leverage situations for them late in games. You know, he's, he's one of their better defenders already. He's an elite skater, you know, so that's really impressive. And um, but they also don't have Hunter Shepard, who has been the best, you know, he, he graduated, was the best postseason goalie of college hockey probably in the last, you know, however many years. I can't even really put a number on it because he's just been that. He was so good. It was, you know, his save percentage was usually like somewhere between 950, 960 in the playoffs. Like it was, it was insane. You know, not an overly big guy, but he just showed up at the big moments and, you know, won a couple of national championships. And let's not forget that Minnesota Duluth also went to the national championship three years ago or four years ago and, you know, fell to, to Denver. But I mean, like, it's just, you know, the, the consistency that that program has had is a huge credit to Scott Sandlin, who's a guy that I know has generated NHL interest in the past and, you know, very well could continue to. Um, but, you know, they don't have that, a lot of those veterans. And I think that could end up being a, a difference making situation for them against Michigan where they have a goaltending advantage. Strauss Mann's been one of the best goalies in the country this year and just a phenomenal player for them and, and, and one of their captains even. And, you know, I think that even though Michigan does have all that skill, they still have guys that have a lot of grit too. And that even, you know, that includes Matty Beniers, who's, you know, very well could be a top three, top four pick in this upcoming draft. So, I mean, it's, it's really anybody's guess. It is a coin flip. I keep going back and forth. Um, you know, the discipline of Minnesota Duluth versus the high octane offense of Michigan. Um, and I, you know, I, I keep changing my mind, but yeah. at this moment, I've talked myself into Michigan. Uh, and it is very difficult to do that. I, and really picking against Minnesota Duluth, it, it almost doesn't feel right, <laughs> but I, I'm going to do it for, for today. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm in the same boat. I keep going back and forth too. There's just so many reasons to pick one or the other. Um, and you know, I look at Michigan and how, I mean, they're young, but they've got some of their vets are talented players as well, uh, but they're driven by their young guys. And to me in the playoffs, that experience uh, becomes all that much more valuable, but they're so good. They're so, despite their inexperience, they haven't been here. I'm talking about the Wolverines, but it's it's hard not to pick them. Uh, man, I might have to flip a coin right before that game starts, but I guess uh, yeah, to, for good radio or a good podcast, I'll, t- I'll take Duluth right now. All right, sounds good. That lets me off the hook a little bit. There you go. Does North Dakota get to the Frozen Four, or does one of the, does the winner of this game uh, knock them off? No, the, I think North Dakota is too. I, I don't think any of the teams in this bracket um, can match match up with them depth wise, and that ends up being the difference. And then also having you know home, de facto home ice advantage in Fargo, definitely. I think it, of all the teams that could help, it, it probably helps them the most. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with. With North Dakota, I think they're just they're they're too much a team on a mission right now. I agree. So uh, we agree on three of our uh, Frozen Four teams: North Dakota, Minnesota, and Boston College. You have UMass, I have Wisconsin, but uh, uh, that will set up 
what will be a, a terrific uh, Frozen Four. Um, Chris, before I let you go, and we've kept you all a really long time, uh, since the last time you were on the show, your situation's changed. So where can people get your stuff now? Oh, yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Guy. I appreciate it. Um, people can find my work at, at Hockey Sense with Chris Peters. It's a, a Substack site. Um, so it's hockeysense.substack.com. Uh, it's a completely independent media platform that is, uh, you know, subscriber funded and, and it's allowing me to, you know, kind of travel to some events, you know, as soon as travel becomes more feasible. I, I actually will be going to the men's Frozen Four in Pittsburgh with thanks to the help of my subscribers. And, um, you know, so I, I will be going to that and, and, and it's all draft content. It's college hockey. It's the, the Olympics. It's the world under 18 championship. I mean, really it tries to cover a lot of different bases and, and that also comes with a podcast called Talking Hockey Sense, which is available, you know, basically wherever you get podcasts at this moment. Um, and, and I've had some great guests on there, and it, it, it covers all bases from the draft to, to college hockey and, and everything in between, um, and, you know, NHL and beyond. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to kind of have done this. You know, I was at ESPN. It was a really great experience to be at such a phenomenal company and, and, you know, the top of the sports media industry, but things change and, instead of just kind of rolling with it and trying to get back into the, the corporate world, I decided to go independent and it's allowed me to do, I think even more work than I had done before um, and really increase the breadth and the quality of the work. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun for me to do and, and I hope people check it out and, and I appreciate you giving me the chance to uh, give it a very shameless plug. Cause I, I think, uh, I think our, our audiences uh, are very similar. I would have to think so, yeah, I would think so. And, hey, no problem, man. You've been a good friend of the Pipeline Show for many years. I love having you on the program, so I'm excited for you and happy for you uh, that you still get to do what you want to do. Great stuff, man. Uh, as always, look forward to the next time when you're on. We'll be able to talk probably U18s at that point and, and uh, get closer to the draft and focus on that too. Yep, sounds great, buddy. Uh, always a pleasure to be on with you, and thanks again for having me. The one and only Chris Peters. always uh, appreciate when Chris is able to give some time, especially when he gives almost uh, 40 minutes of his time, to preview the national tournament, which we recorded that on Thursday. Friday morning, breaking news, Michigan out of the tournament because of COVID. There was a game before I was done putting the show together. Wisconsin bounced from the event already. Bemidji, fantastic performance. A 6-3 victory for the Beavers over the Badgers in the uh, rodent bowl. So uh, my bracket out the window already as uh, I had picked Wisconsin to get to the frozen four. So what the heck do I know? Just for argument's sake though, I did uh, finish my bracket and posted it on Twitter before the, uh, the games were started today. So you can see that at TPS underscore Gee, my eventual winner, North Dakota over Minnesota in the final, but my frozen four had North Dakota against Wisconsin, Minnesota against Boston college. We'll see as Bemidji state has already, wrecked my bracket. How about you? Let me know at TPS underscore Guy on Twitter. That is it for this week's show. That means it's cleanup time. Brings me to remind you that it's uh, time to stop wiping and start washing. Get your bidet. HelloTushy.com slash pipeline. Get your bidet and uh, start living. It's like the evolution of toiletry. So many countries in the world are ahead of what we do here in North America where so many people are still Spending a fortune on toilet paper when you don't have to. Get a bidet. Impress your friends. Impress your spouse. And you get a bonus 10% off just by using the promo link, which is hellotushy.com slash pipeline. 
Next week on the program, we'll know who the uh, Frozen Four participants are. All the WHL teams will have uh, finally gotten on the ice. Going to have to follow up on this uh, BCHL slash AGHL story, first reported by Rod Peterson. What exactly is happening? Is there going to be a breakaway Rebel League? We'll have to uh, delve into that. Of course, we'll keep the 2021 draft spotlight uh, turned on as well. Lots we can talk about this time next week. Between now and then, continue treating each other with uh, respect and courtesy. Please, when the vaccination is available, please get vaccinated so we can get back to living. Thank you to everyone who has been signing up recently to be a patron at patreon.com slash show. I hope that you're enjoying your early access to all the interviews that you hear here on the program. The full episodes uh, come out on Friday or Saturday, but the interviews are posted on the Patreon site shortly after uh, they are conducted. So this NCAA preview, yes, it's uh, one or two games since the tournament started that you're hearing it if you're not a patron, but patrons were able to hear it on Thursday. So big advantage there for people like that. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks for listening to the Pipeline Show, powered by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya.